Cleveland Moto Podcast number 451. It's a whole new year. Light them up, boys. All right, part two of the podcast. <laughs> I already smashed a bottle on it. John broke a bottle on it Steve's has, head. It has been a party. We already precast it. Once the fire went out on the mixing board, we're doing okay. Now. Right. I heard That's that bang. True. I heard that bang, and I was like, did somebody bring like a, you know, Tishdeka, like fireworks? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Tishdeka. Uh, Tishdeka. Tishdeka. I've never heard that word. I love it. It's uh, it's fireworks for your table. If you're German, you know German people celebrate uh, Sylvester, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Well, we did the crackers. Yep. At, yep. at Christmas. Yep. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. And so when I lived over there, my German family, every year New Year's Eve, there's a whole line of indoor safe fireworks. John, you'd be in heaven. Yes. But then, okay, <laughs> I will say this: there is also the highlight of the evening, which is where you get a pink candy pig. And a hammer. And you get to break the pink candy pig and and interpret the the shards. But my German grandmother showed me an even more interesting one, which is the lead. You melt the lead. There's these little figures, and you melt them. And you melt them and throw them into the pot of water, and then you interpret what shapes they are for what kind of luck you're going to have in the new year. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot of fire involved. Was your was your family Me like, like you. a gypsy family or no. something? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were very, very, very German. <laughs> Version one, they had bones in a bucket. They're like, <laughs> yeah. My German grandfather, he's the guy that has a phrase. In 1939, you know, he's an Olympic runner, but he was also in the Luftwaffe, and he says, "Well, you either ran for Hitler or you ran from Hitler." <laughs> And I said, that's an interesting take. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. like, he says, I was a good runner, so I did not have to shoot or get shot at. <laughs> and I went, yeah, but if that war would have gone any longer, they'd have been pulling your ass up to deliver dispatches and shit. Like, <laughs> okay, Speedy, go. <laughs> your German family was kind of out there. Though. Remember Hansel and Gretel? <laughs> was your grandma the witch? Was she like no, out there? <laughs> no, I, I'm going to say, uh, it's a, I'm glad I had that experience, and I'm glad that that was a part of my life that when I was 18 years old, yeah. I was able to move off post and, and get immersion into a, a German family yeah. away from the barracks. And that everybody in my building I lived in was not American, you know, and it was this little beautiful, quaint little town called Bretzenheim, which is where pretzels were invented, by the way. Um, And the pretzel festival every year there is fucking amazing. Are the pretzels on a different level? It is. Right? Like it has to be. Like they they invented them. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. Right. You don't know. Yeah. There's, it's a whole different game. It's a whole different game. And to be like, pretzels are okay. Mm -hmm. Imagine living in the village where pretzels were invented. (laughs) You haven't had a pretzel until you've had a pretzel right. in Breton. And on, on, it, honestly, there is a chain of pretzel companies in that part of Rhineland Falls area that's called Ditches, D-I-T-S-C-H. And it's in front of every bus stop, in front of every streetcar stop. There's a little kiosk made of wood, and good smells come out of there. And when you get a cheat, I just call them cheesy breads, but it's pretzel dough with German cheese put on it. <sighs> I had the, oh. one of those every morning when I went to, to school at the gymnasium. Yes. And they had a little snack <laughs> counter. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Look at this picture of fucking Dan when he was 23 holding a pretzels bigger wow. than his head. Mm. That yeah. pretzel is bigger than his chest. Was that at uh, Hoffer House? <laughs> That's at uh, Lino Park. Um, oh, mm. Donnerschwaben. Yeah, Donnerschwaben. Yeah. It oh was like God. a pizza pretzel. Mm-hmm. But you know it what? It was so good. I'm glad that the pretzel every wasn't invented morning. there. 
yeah. because I imagine like that town yeah. is probably beautiful German town with yeah. wood and stuff. If it was invented in America, it would have been like everything would have been pretzel. Of course, it would have been like pretzel walls. No, no, stupid pretzel. So every sign hanging on every little beautiful quaint little shop, right, got a fucking pretzel. On okay, it. that's right. that's yeah. acceptable. But yeah. I'm saying, yeah, they but, made right. the but that sign's like hundred years old. Our Aldi, our Aldi store, yeah, underneath my apartment building, our Aldi store had like a big pretzel as its sign. Do you know those? There's all these silly little towns in America that are like it's the Swiss Alps town. Oh yeah, in you know Sonoma yes. Valley, California, or the one in. There was one in uh, yeah. North Carolina, yeah. Alpine, yeah. Alpine. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. okay. Yeah, little, down, little Switzerland. That was or in, yeah. That was down, in, well, that's in Southern Ohio too. That's, well, it's Boone, North Carolina. Hey man, all I'm gonna tell you is quaint. Ran hot and cold in Bretzenheim. <laughs> Quaint was the play. And the funny thing, well, I forget, you know, you just don't realize how good you've got it as an 18-year-old kid who either has a choice to stay in Cleveland or go to Germany. For free. Yeah, right. I'm going to give you just enough money to live, right? And every morning I had my choice of riding a bicycle through vineyards. No shit. <laughs> On a path, a beautiful, it's German, so the path is perfect. And I can ride a bicycle line of sight as the crow flies from my apartment building to the barracks. And I discovered that all these little bicycle paths just went exactly where you needed to go. Hmm. Or I could take my motorcycle and go around a little bit. Or I could take the streetcar and go all the way to the Bonhof downtown, get a hot pretzel, then jump on another streetcar and end up at my barracks. And any method I decided to choose was about 18 minutes. Hmm. Bicycle, motorcycle scooter or streetcar and it was always about 18 or 20 minutes and you just forget when you when you are living somewhere that everything works so perfectly that yeah when people are like do you don't own a car i'm like no i don't need one that bus has never been late since 1945 right, right? it's it's just been on time you know forever but to that point, when, yeah. when you tell a European, like, you have to have a car here, and they don't understand why, <laughs> then you get to Texas, and you're, like, 280 miles between, <laughs> and you're like, okay, all right, I, I kind of get it now. Yeah. I, I remember, like, getting to school, we would go from Rottenbrauer to mm -hmm. Würzburg down, yeah. you know, that's where the school was, and we'd take this road, and it was, like, a one-and-a-half-lane little, it was a green lane. Yeah. From, like, you got it out of town, and you went out through these little fields, and it was, I'm like, I wonder, I would, I remember it being like, this is fun. Yeah. I want to go back and do that. It's, it's, have you ever gone back to near where you were stationed, oh, yeah. Pete? I've been back several times. You've been back several times, And right? the family had a Fox turbo diesel station wagon. Oh, yeah. Really? Volkswagen Fox yeah. station yeah. wagon turbo diesel. That's I had the 1980 Audi 80, AKA Fox, two door sports, sports pack, which meant in addition to the four-speed transmission, it had a crankback moonroof. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and it was in a beautiful shade of marugundy. Marugundy. It was bulky, <laughs> and because it was the sports, it would get zero to sixty, and eventually. Well, but you know what was really fun about it was, as a little lightweight, tiny car, yep. 1980 that it was, and gas was pretty expensive in '87. Uh, that little bastard would plug along the autobahn just like anything else. And you just knew that if you were going to be in the left lane, you were only going to be in the left lane to get around that one truck and then get your ass back to the right again. That's funny. For a month in 1987, we yeah. were probably in Germany. Together. Oh, there's no doubt. I was there too. You were there too. There so all go. of us in the 80s, and if we had Alex from West Virginia here, um, he was there. <laughs> but he Formally was wearing a slightly different uniform than Formerly us. Formerly of West Virginia. <laughs> he was on the other side of the Fulda Gap. Nice. 
So he was a Russian tanker. Wow. Not, a, not an East German tanker. He was a straight up Russian oh, yeah. tanker. And I forget that when I'm talking to him. Yeah. Because he's such a weirdo. Uh, but. It's probably what he says about you too. I know. I know. Say, you're not. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> but, but we have to admit that it was a different kind of service. Uh, Cold War, Cold War military was a very different kind of service. And that uh, being at the tail end of it and going to sandy places, right? And uh, becoming uh, the military threat of harm from America if you don't do the things we want you to do with our oil. I mean, your oil. They, uh, that military changed a lot. Our military changed quite a bit. And all the things that we did to keep ourselves busy in the 80s became less important really quickly in the early 90s. And when I think about how much time I used to spend shining shoes, like shining boots, like spit polishing and, and stuff, and like the money I spent buying starch for my own fucking uniforms that are meant to not be, you know, the United States soldier's uniform is designed to break up the outline of the soldier. And yet we're going back to the barracks and spraying them with Niagara spray starch <laughs> and ironing that shit for a perfect fucking crease because you do not show up on guard duty with your shit looking like you polished it with a box of rocks, right? You're MP, right? No, I was the infantry. Infantry, right, yeah. So you know that idea of buffing floors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, so the floors you buffed, did you buy the wax for those floors? I'm going to say we did. Johnson, yeah. Johnson's, Johnson's paste, paste wax. wax. Yeah, in a can. Yeah. Why in the fucking shit of the world would the PX, which is the place where the basic army soldiers can go buy the sustenance items that they need to give themselves a little bit of luxury in their life, batteries for your Walkman, etc. Why would the PX sell four-pound cans of Johnson's floor <laughs> wax and towels that you were only going to sacrifice under the buffer? Look at the floor. You could see a six-foot-deep... Every shine in every military installation was a six-foot-deep shine. If the sergeant major couldn't read his rank insignia, you're fucked. Hmm. Now, you want to... I'll tell you how to stop a military. That's a handsome man right there. Look yeah. at that. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Okay. <laughs> man, Pete, I'm glad I didn't meet you. I'm not gay. I'd have probably fucked you. He's in class A's, too, you know? Uh, yeah. You'd probably still fuck him. Well, maybe. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Do you want to know how to slow down high-speed, low-drag soldiers? <laughs> the floor's just been buffed <laughs> watch everyone stop take off their boots and run in their stocking feet down the edges of the hallway <laughs> no shit we have one minute between PT and you know breakfast formation or whatever to change gear and the whole deal and you're running down the hallway in your socks about to go outside where it's snowing but you're running in your socks and going down the sides of the hallway because nobody would disrespect the polish job that you guys all worked on for half an hour, 45 minutes <laughs> when you were between your PT schedule and your breakfast chow or first formation. And we all did it. We all became weapons experts with the floor buffer. The, the, I mean, buffer rodeo, do not ever go against a guy from the Cold War, Cold War era if he challenges you to a game of buffer rodeo. Because we're going to win. That shit's built in. You see like one-handing, like one-handing a floor polisher? Mm -hmm. One-handing it? No problem. I got all, I can do this all day. One-handing. You watch, if I hand that same device to you, 
the second you hit the, tr the switch, it's a rodeo clown. You're going to be wrapped up in cord in about one second. <laughs> yeah. But Pete knows a little up goes right, a little down goes left. One finger. Just run that bitch. Let it do the work for Let you. Let it do all the work for you. But yeah, lighting a can of wax on fire that you built a special wire hanger to hold the can so it didn't burn your hand, mm -hmm. lighting it on fire, capping it out, and then pouring the wax in the hallway mm -hmm. so that men that are wearing boots for a living and climbing on sharp pointy shit can have a floor that looks like water as far as you can see. Then the bitch of it is I found out in the building that we were in in Germany that our United States military in 1969 had spent the money to put in a lifelong, never going to fail, no wax floor. <laughs> we were waxing a no wax floor. Oh, I'm sure. And I was paying for the wax out of my paycheck. I mean, didn't you strip it every once in a while and take it back down to the floor and rebuild it back up? I mean, come on, were you fucking um, <clears throat> We dumped, dumped gallons of alcohol on the floor and lit it on fire. Mm. Didn't you? We would have the sergeant would go down and sprinkle like six cans of uh, Comet on it yep. and then throw a bucket of water on it. You had to mop it and strip yep. it until the, there none yep. of that chalky residue yeah. remained. Then you started polishing it again. Yeah. This was what you did in the Cold War Army to keep us from competitively drinking and killing each other. They had to have something to keep us busy because our equipment could only get so clean. And when we do inspection layouts, we would put brake fluid on the outside of the tanks to make them shiny. It's a military vehicle. It's com that's covered in <laughs> chemical resistant coating. They spent like flat, two years flat. developing developing the color to hide oh, in yeah. the fucking desert or wherever you're, you were. You're fucking hit with brake. <laughs> now you're slime. And we are literally putting <laughs> CLP brake fluid, brake clean. We are we've figured out <laughs> uh -huh. the viscosity of what you could slather on a tank to make it look shiny for about two days to get through command inspection. Yep. Slathering, you, you slathering get, your tank. You got to slather it, dude. <laughs> the military was the dumbest place. You would get issued two bags of gear, mm -hmm. and you'd be like, "I'm never touching any of this shit. I'm gonna keep this stuff for three years so I can turn it in perfectly." Because turning in your gear to get out of the military, change duty stations, is one of the most stressful things you're ever gonna go through. Because a guy's gonna look at your shit that you turn in and go, "Uh-uh, it's still dirty. Go clean it. Uh-uh, no, it's got a little hole in it. Go fix it." You got to DX that every piece of gear that you turn. And I swear to God, they want it back better than they gave it to you. Meanwhile, you're supposed to use it for three years. <laughs> but if you go down to your supply sergeant and be like, look, I broke this. Can you get another one? No, go to closing clothing and sales and go buy one. Well, but, but I thought my gear was free. What's this look like? Cintas? Yeah, it was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> so people that have been in the military, the people that were in the military during that cold war period, You'll never find a better custodian in your life. If you want to say, like, who's the best fighter in the room, who's the best, whatever, I can guarantee custodial work, I got you all. I will paint the bottom of a rock in case someday somebody picks that rock up. <laughs> God forbid somebody. And I went around a whole parade field one time painting the bottom of rocks after I had a drinking accident. But I did that. I got to do that for 30 days. And it taught <clears> me a lot about cleaning. So, yeah, it's a fun thing. Uh, anybody on their Christmas vacation or their Christmas break, did anybody get a motorcycle-related gift other than the ones that were distributed here at the Padcat Podcast, of course? Chris, what'd you get? Um, well, uh, Mrs. Smith uh, spoke to Uncle Pete uh -huh. 
And uh, for the monkey, I got a rear rack and nice a, and a set of rear shocks. Oh, sweet! That's a, now that's two very good things for yeah. the monkey. Damn, that's cool. Which uh, shocks did you end up getting, Pete? Uh, the ones from Man in the Box. Man in the Box. Yeah, they're they're. Uh, Man in the Box. I don't know. They're they're house brand. I guess yep. they get really good reviews. They do get excellent they're, reviews. They're made for uh, a more stout uh, person. Such I'm, as, I'm glad you said that because a standard monkey shock is probably <laughs> rated for a guy that weighs 105, uh, maybe 160, maybe 170. Let's give it the benefit. Not for an American. <laughs> not for an American. Not for a uh, no. middle-aged six foot three guy no not at all yeah so mandatory yeah so i'm yeah. gonna see how chris's work out and then right. i'm probably gonna replace the uh shocks on mine i'd really like to put the owens on mine but yeah. I, I don't really want to pay six or eight hundred dollars so you're you're rocking the former grumpy sewer guy or he is i am you are yeah but his had a rack on the back didn't it, it well was, it was cracked it cracked and it was under recall <gasps> oh okay so i was able to take it back to uh maybe that was the pan cause. down at silk and got 200 bucks back on that. Whoa. And nice. And uh, turned around, and that one that uh, she got from, is that also Man in the Box? Yep. The rack? Yeah. yeah. I think oh, that's cool. Like 80 bucks for it or something like that, right? No, I think it was more than that. More than that? I, I don't know. But. Well, either, either way, it was cracked, and Pam was nice enough to take it back. and. Uh, that top case that was on that bike was just rattling around all the time. I hope you did something about we that. We did. Yeah. It needed, like, yeah. I think we left it there, right? You left it in my garage is where you left it. Oh, did I? (laughs) (laughs) uh, So for people who are interested, if you have a monkey or if you have a hunter cub or you have a super cub, the Man in the Box shocks, their website's really easy. It's M-N-N-T-H-B-X. And, and man in the box without all the vowels. Without all the vowels, <laughs> exactly. That's a that's a hundred and twenty bucks for a, a pair of Shakolas, exactly. and they are. Uh, you can get them in chrome, or you can get them in black. And Oscar had put the um, you know Amazon special Chinese YSS or whatever on the Trail One Ten because I couldn't ride the Trail One Ten out of a fucking driveway. It bottomed out every single time. He put those on, and I would say that those are perfect for an Oscar-sized person. Then I went out and rode it. I'm not an Oscar-sized person. I was bottoming those out as well. You've been Oscar-sized. I have been Oscar-sized. So <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Thanks, the, Dad. The, the Man in the Box shocks are a really good alternative to the $249 uh, Honda line, or what we used to call Honda line, upgraded shocks that they have for that I have on my Super Cub. And then Yoshimura has like a four or five hundred dollar set as well. I think that the Olean's might be the most expensive, unless Fox or somebody does one. Yeah, wait, 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 you need your yeah. top line shocks are going to be yeah top line price. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it is amazing what a good shock can do for oh, a for bike, <laughs> though, man. It's, it's shocking. It's, it's shocking. <laughs> also, also uh, be, you were on the puns tonight, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beware of uh, a lot of your... I'm the Punisher. There you go. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> of toilets. Of <laughs> 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 toilets. He's here all week, folks. I was yep. going to say, Johnny, Johnny, the meal. Mac, Johnny Mac has the floor. <laughs> he has the... He's awake and he's fired up and he's ready to go. <laughs> he's, he's coming out swinging, yeah. Did you get, uh, did you get that mocha beer or what? That's a, the, <laughs> oh, man. McUltra, baby. McUltra. Oh, anybody else get any... Motorcycle-related Christmas prezzies? 
No, we kind of talked about that on the half calf. Oh, yeah, I missed that. Talking. Sorry, buddy. Yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, I'm just saying. Like, I'll give no. you guys my very quick review of St. Croix. Yeah. Because yeah. you guys know two years ago, I went to St. John and St. Thomas. I rented my very first ever Kawasaki KL Excellent 300. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, one of the greatest motorcycles I've ever used in that particular application. Mm-hmm. For bombing around a shit road, tiny place that gets hit by too many hurricanes with very steep hills in the middle of it, KLX 300's best fucking bike for two up, right? Super great bike, loved it, couldn't get it stuck. Okay, St. Croix. Now, St. Croix is the island, the biggest of the islands of these uh, U.S. Virgin Islands, and it's the one where the people live. So it's it's not the most resorts, it's not the most luxurious of, a, of the places. It's generally where, if you like rum, that's where Crucian rum is made. If you don't like rum, that's where Captain Morgan is made. Uh, the Captain Morgan Distillery is bigger than the Shell Refinery. Uh, I financed ab- about half of that. Yeah. <laughs> when we were flying in, I said, what the fuck refinery is that? There's a giant refinery next to the airport. What the f- Like, seriously, I was very excited to see, like, I didn't realize there was um, production, oil refining and production happening on St. Croix. I didn't see any derricks. I didn't see any... You know, nothing. No drilling rigs or anything. Were they um, unloading Spanish galleons with all the spices and seasonings (laughs) and stuff like that that go in to the Captain Morgan? No. (laughs) There's no shortage of pirate ships around that bitch, though, because pirate ships are quaint. I went out on a seven. I had seven sheets to the wind. I literally was out on seven on a schooner that was uh, laid in in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a Great Lakes schooner. And uh, it made it all the way to St. Croix. Wow. And uh, but yeah, wait, oh, not on that. And it's a whole ocean, uh, world ocean school where they teach young people how to be sailors. Hmm. And uh, it's a program. Step right into my office, or cabin boy. And then you'll be a cabin man. <laughs> Would that be the stabbing cabin? The stabbing cabin. Right. Johnny, Johnny Mac. You should have made a semen joke. Oh, I, I was just trying to think of one. Ah. <laughs> when I was in, when I was an employee at Long John's, I re, I reached the rank of semen first class. Semen first class. Semen. Well, for about um, it was a seminal moment in my life. <laughs> He's good. <laughs> Went a long way around. Did he? Did he? Eventually got there. A month before the event, I tried contacting anybody that would rent motorcycles or scooters. I had Google evidence of a scooters and more um, rental area that was right across the street from this place called Big Beards, which is like the cruise ship thing, or not the cruise ship, the snorkel trips or diving trips or whatever. He's like the vendor on the island if you want to go get underwater and look at fish. And he'll take you out to uh, Buck Island and all that stuff, right? Really cool stuff. So I couldn't get any answer from scooters and more, and I knew I was in good shape. So because so you went with schooners and more. Oh, shit. I tried. The sign above the door said scooters and more, and it said full bar. Handwritten wooden sign as everything in St. Oh, yeah. Croix. Jay, Jay sent me a picture of this a while ago, and he said, you Shit. get in on this? It <laughs> is. So, so nobody had picked up the phone. Nobody answered. I emailed everybody. Nothing. No responses. It turns out not everything survived Maria. It was a big hurricane that fucked oh, the whole place yeah. up real bad. Yeah. To about 12, wa- 12 feet of water. Anywho, I called the guy across the street. Said, hey, 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 across the street from you guys used to be a vendor called Scooters and More. I saw a picture of a motorcycle you out there. You dropped out, Phil. I saw, no, I didn't. No, I'm oh, still I here. dropped out. I, yeah, unplugged you dropped you, out. I unplugged you for a second to wipe the uh, beer out of your jacket. So, I, I was worried about it corroding. But I called the guys at 
big beards. And they were like, no, 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 that was a mess. You cannot give people liquor and, and scooters. And I went, says you. We and, had a, and we he had a goes, robust business in the French Quarter. And he goes, you otherwise. the guy says, well, no, we all drive on the left down here. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know. I've been there. And he goes, well, but we don't have any like real hospitals that we can send people to. I said, oh, now I'm starting to understand why the <laughs> scooter franchise dried up, you know, in the drinkingest town in the Caribbean. Right. Right. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm calling everybody. Nobody will rent me a fucking bike. I'm on all the bike trading pages and the whole deal. You know, riders share, whatever. St. Croix, fucking give me a bike. I actually talked to the place I rented the bike from in St. Thomas, which St. Thomas to St. Croix, there is not a car type ferry that goes there. It's a miserable, bumpy two hours in a catamaran hull thing for humans to go between the islands. It ain't pretty. It's further than it needs to be. They need to move those islands closer together. (laughs) Merritt and I counted exactly zero motorcycles and zero scooters until our fourth day on the island. Hmm. I have never been a place in my life, and I've been to Alaska, where there were so little motorcycles, where there should have been so many motorcycles. It's an island. It's 28 miles across the furthest point from side to side. There's nowhere you'd ever need to go that's more than a half an hour, 45 minutes away. Their weather conditions are gorgeous, light rain, occasional hurricane. It's fine, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine. Motorcycle can do all those things. That's about right. It never snows, ever. There's no such thing as rock salt, ever. And the roads are laid out by a complete and utter idiot. They're twisty, they're curvy, they go up, they go down. It is motorcycle heaven. Didn't see one until the fourth day. And on the fourth day, I saw the most clapped out Ninja 600 that did not have one original body panel on it, and everything was zip ties. And it was running on two of its four original cylinders, and it was a mess. Okay. Day two, I nearly get hit by a guy on one of those leftover scooters from that scooter place I was telling you about, (laughs) where the exhaust had fallen off, and it was a fling poo. And it missed me by about a quarter of an inch. Two up. Rastas. And this island is covered with Rastas. It's, it's, it's a Rasta island, friend. That is what it is. I've never seen so many Rastas in one. I think the plural is Rasta, right? Mm-hmm. right? So many Rasta. I've never seen so many in one place, but the place is just thick with Rasta. Well, then we accidented into a Volkswagen Beetle convention. Fuck it. Everything that they gave up on motorcycles and scooters, they put into Volkswagen Beetles. If you want to see a 66 Volkswagen Beetle slammed to the ground, overriders, crankback moonroof, you want to see a 59 split window, you'll get sick of looking at them. Oh, I heard Manx dune buggies are really hard to find. Fuck you. Go to St. Croix. There's a hundred of them. So they're just, they're from the 50s. Or Go figure. Yeah, right. Oh, no, they, they probably import them. The art that goes into these cars is epic. Turbo goes into turbo goes out right? Everything's brilliant. The amount of work in these things, everything that I used to be into when I was a kid in air-cooled cars and VWs and shit has all just gotten better. And these things are slammed and tubbed and fancy. And it's the coolest thing. I shot a little video of it, threw it up on my stuff. There were about 100 cars, which would be a hell of a good Volkswagen turnout here let alone on an island that's 26, 28 miles across. Yeah, that's crazy. It's amazing. And everybody's cars were perfect. I mean, just 
beautiful workmanship. The craftsmanship's out of control. And if you're into old Volkswagens, you'll know that like the coolest thing you can have is a split window. Oh, somebody is selling split window kits down there. Oh, yeah. Because everything's got splits. Well, I heard I but heard I, a while, like years, yeah. years, years ago, yeah. it was uncool to have the split window. Of course it was. So they cut them all out and yeah. made them single windows. Hey. Well, I, in one of the VW forums I was reading a couple of years ago, some dude found the shop wherever it was that was cutting them out. Yeah. And had a pile of these Take them all, things in the back. So they, they've been refinishing them and selling them. And you can tell a lot of guys are knocking out kits. But my crazy thing was I noticed that we didn't see a curved windshield. So we're, we're looking at all these 100 Volkswagens and not a single one had a curved windshield. They were all flat glass, which means older than 1971, right? If you speak Volkswagen. And so I talked to one of these Alta Cockers, these guys that was down there. And I was like, hey, uh, I noticed the only... Volkswagen I saw with a curved windshield was a Type 2. Everything else was flat windshield. And he goes, yeah, we didn't get them. In, they didn't import them here after that. And I said, so each, every car that I'm looking at down here has been down here since like 62? Yeah. We had a thriving dealership on the island, and we sold a shit ton out of Volkswagens. Wow. <laughs> well, hello. Meanwhile, the Honda dealership that looked like it was a big car dealership, like a functioning dealership, it got fucked in Maria, and nobody said, you know, it's been seven years, we should fix that. Oh, wow. There's a lot of things on St. Croix that are like, it's been seven years. We'll get around to it. Hmm. A lot of the public buildings have signs on them that say, this FEMA, U.S. Department of whatever project has been budgeted for $2.3 million, and it is forecasted to be completed on time and on budget in June of 2018. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the sign's still up. Right. Wow. And I told Merritt, I was like, somebody painted that sign. <laughs> this. So the sign has been updated or, well, you know, whatever, 2020. But at least they didn't like cross it off. Right. And just, and just add dates to it. <laughs> yeah. So it is a funny place to be. It's a very strange place to, ride, to be. But I'm stuck driving around in a Nissan Versa, right? Uh, when I wanted nothing more than to be on a two-wheeled vehicle. There was, that was the only thing I wanted was to be on a two-wheeled vehicle, and I could not make that happen. Now, podcast listeners will all chime in and say, but you could have contacted my Uncle Fuckknuckle, and you could have rented a Hayabusa from him or whatever, because he rents his Hayabusa out every weekend. One of the boat captains I talked to said he had a Honda CBR XX Blackbird when he moved there. And I said, how? Because there's not a road on the whole fucking island that doesn't have a big hole in the middle of it. And sometimes they strategically place them because there aren't any speed limit signs on the island anywhere anyway. There's like four traffic lights. But I said, how did you even own that motorcycle? He goes, well, I'd take it out and I would ride it from one end of the island to the other end of the island on the highway. And I went... Okay, so like most islands, there's a highway that only the locals use, and it runs right up the back of the island. It's probably cool, and it's great. I've I've found the island, the highway like that on St. Thomas, and different islands have been on. I went on that highway. It is not great. (laughs) It is not a great place to run out your CBRXX. And in fact, if you're going 60 on that fucking highway, slow down, because... It's just complete. You you are on a stupid little island when you're at Saint Croix. You're on a very interesting place where we figured out that wealthy people could spend some money, and the Dutch had left, and so the Dutch were gone. And when the Dutch left, we got it. Whatever we bought it for, 
all the streets still have the little Dutch placards like you'd think you're in fucking Holland. They're all quaint, adorable, and everything else. But it is just, it's, it's Rasta. When did the Dutch leave? When did we? I think we bought that in like 1930 or something. I, I really, I should know because I took all the tours. But so I, the signs are still up then? Yes. <laughs> all of the built, like the buildings and the courtyards and everything are Dutch construction circa like 1830. And it's beautiful. It's, it's gorgeous. There ain't a right angle in the whole fucking place. Um, you know, every stair you walk up, you think you're loaded because you're like, oh, stair starts this way and ends that way. The fort there never fired a shot. So the Dutch built that fort to protect, you know, its massive investment in uh, slaves, 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 and sugarcane in that order. And they built a fortress there and nobody ever attacked it. Nobody ever went after it. So they took all the cannons and they used the cannons as parking bollards. So when you're traveling around Christiansted and Frederickstead, you'll see all these giant, legitimate 1800s, 1700s cannons off of galleons and shit that are just buried balls deep. So you can bounce off them with your rental cars. And they're all painted like red and white and fun colors. But now you can see why every car in that neighborhood has like a fucked up set of bumpers because the cannons don't yield. Yeah, right. Yeah, that stuff's heavy duty. It's a fun place. So if you get a chance, it's only a three-hour flight or two-hour flight from Miami. Muzzle up, muzzle down. Muzzle down, thank you. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want them to fill up with water. They'll fill up with trash. Turn them into a planter. Right. Yeah, these are all muzzled down, and they're quite a, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of them just wow. used as, I can only imagine how many cannons were on that island when you think about, like, the whole, like, Barbary Coast pirate thing oh, yeah. and, like, that area. As militaries moved in, Spanish, Dutch, American, I have a feeling a lot of piracy went in and didn't leave. <laughs> I have a feeling that a, a lot of piracy went there to be out firepowered. And I think that uh, governments such as the Spanish, the Dutch, and the Americans all kind of went, oh, that's ours now. Mm. We claim that on behalf of our government. It's an interesting place to be. It's, it's really fun. Um, if you like to drink... Remember that Crucian rum is made there and forget that Captain Morgan is made there hmm. because you don't want to drink that shit. Uh, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Excuse me? Oh, man. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell. They're prime, they're, their signature drink, uh, St. Thomas and St. And, and, uh, <clears throat> John, signature drink, painkiller, same as the uh, British Virgin Islands, Soggy Dollar Bar. But there's another one called the Bushwhacker, which is mostly chocolate. It's like chocolate, Kahlua. It, it's just diabetes in a cup. But the one that my favorite example. I don't know what kind of bush that was. Oh, it's so bad. The Santa Cruzians have got their own. The Santa Cruzians have got what's called Cruzian Confusion. And that's because they make Cruzian rum in 75 different flavors. It's like the old Paramount distillery thing in Cleveland. There's just way too many flavors of this fucking stuff. And so they just have a rail of it. And you're like, oh, I want a Crucian Confusion. And they're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. And, and that's what you get. And I never had the same one twice. <laughs> never. Not once ever. Uh, that's confusing. It is. You're never going to get the same one. But thanks to Dan, I got to introduce them to what Stroh is. Because, as we know on our podcast, we are no strangers to Stroh Austrian rum um, that hangs around with you for a while. If you like butterscotch, you're going to get to know it real well. Uh, the taste of eating a lifetime's worth of Werther's Originals <coughs> in one shot. And fire. 
and fire and burping it up for the next two hours. I, I think you're being kind. I have a... Uh, if, if you have one shot. One shot. <laughs> one shot. I, I gave a guy at the shop today one shot because he'd never heard of it. And I was like, here, then you should try that. We'll, we'll just have one together. And I said, sip the first one, give it a nose, sip the first one, and then go after it. And uh, when, by the time he left, he was like, I will be buying that. That, that scratches a certain itch that nothing else will scratch. Well, yeah, gasoline will actually kill you. So That's least- not gasoline. <laughs> Look, I've had all the overproofs, 151, Everclear, uh, Apple Core, like all the crazy over, overproofers. If you want to experience missing time, right. drink the straw. Right. And there's a thing on these islands called Mamawana, and Mamawana is just a big jug full of roots and berries and stuff they find on the ground. And then they just keep pouring rum on it. And so, you know, it, it's this giant one-gallon jar, and you go to a bar, and they, like, ladle it out at you. And if they like you, you know, oh, you have, you have Mamawana, Mamawana, the whole deal. And you drink it, and you're like, okay, that's, that's rum. Spiced? Yeah, it's all spiced as shit. It's, like, fucking weird flavors, all kinds of weird stuff. And I went in, and they took a, took a Mamawana, and the guy's like, you like strong drink? And I was like, yeah, it's a strong drink. You go ahead. You can't hurt me. And he goes, well, you, you, you've never had a strong drink like this. And I went... Fuck. <laughs> you did not hang around with me at all. And so he hands me that, and I, I was like, oh, that's delicious. And I drank it. And he goes, really? And I went, it's fucking great. That's good. You should bottle that. You should sell that. <laughs> we do. And I said, good. That's a good thing. I said, it's not quite as good as Stro. And he goes, the fuck is Stro? And I said, oh, I'll be back tomorrow. Because I had a little traveler that I dumped out and put Stro in because... A little two, three ounce bottle, airport bottle, is exactly the right amount for Stro to take a regular airplane beverage and make it better. Yeah, that's like enough for a four day weekend, I think. (laughs) 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 And so, four day vacation. The bartender, the bartender uh, at the Domino (laughs) Club, where the pigs drink the beers. um, Mm -hmm. The the pigs drink ginger beer and Coors Na. For four bucks, you buy them a beer. You buy the pigs a beer. And the pigs are giant, big, fuck-off, scary pigs. These are big, terrifying pigs. I, I saw that on TV last night. It's fucking hilarious. It's a good day out. I mean, it's it in the rain. Dan had four shots of straw, though. That's what he <laughs> It's in the rainforest, and it's cool. The guy that sure runs the place is super, super nice. Like, it's a really good place to go have a beer, right? And, and then the bonus is you get to, like, you get to buy a, a pig a beer. <laughs> And they got like three pigs going at the same time, and the I pigs are all pigs and beers in my day. <laughs> this is right, <laughs> but go, this time you don't have to go home with them. I've even had a pig buy me a beer once yeah, or twice. Also true. And you, Tony, told you go pe- back with the. Uh, you told people you wouldn't tell people the that. guy that the guy that was the bartender there, and I gave him the straw because I had a couple of them, and that's just I throw that in my go to war bag. I throw it in my travel bag because I've never been stopped for having just the airport bottles, right? And I brought one in. I said, here, cheers. Go ahead and have at it. Like, dis, like ignore the, the Jim Beam label on the outside of the bottle. Have at it. So it sounds like St. Croix isn't like Jamaica, where you can actually go pretty much anywhere you want on the island, and you're not worried about losing a kidney or something like oh, that. Oh, no, no. St. Croix is very safe. Okay. It's super safe. Like, St. Croix is... Ex- Merritt ran every morning, and I, we'd walk out late at night every night. Everybody's super friendly, super nice. Uh, they good people. They're really good people. They're super nice people. I can't say the same for St. Thomas. Okay, that's where... Yes! I got punched in the eye there. 
Wait a second. How did you get, how punched, did you in get punched in the eye at St. Thomas? <laughs> I was sitting in a traffic jam. You know how there's taxis in the back of a pickup truck? Or they they call like, them chicken taxis. Oh, so I'm sitting in the back of this pickup truck. Yeah, it's uh, a buck. You get on, you get off. Leaning against the tailgate with my arm on the side rail of the truck, like yeah. the back corner on the passenger side. Yeah. Stuck in traffic, minding my own business, and some guy just walks up and starts MFing me and just punches me right in the eye. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Was it a case of mistaken identity? Nope. This guy was like crazy street guy, whatever. I jump out of the truck and I'm getting ready to like, we're getting ready to go, right? And uh, <laughs> there's cops, like three cars behind us in the traffic jam and they come running up and this guy's running from me. He runs right into the cops. Oh, he does? And um, then he sees them, he pulls up and... Um, so it's like a standoff. They get out pepper spray and pepper spray the guy. Which Who just also, randomly assaulted you for no goddamn reason. Right, which, which also hits me, the pepper spray. Oh, no. <laughs> Fuck. You're downstream. So I have to make a police report and everything else. And then Do they, they take care of you? They said, yeah. They said, do you want to uh, press charge or something? Absolutely. Right. And um, they said, okay, we'll be in touch. I get a phone call like six months later. Oh, really? From St. Thomas. And it's, <laughs> it's the prosecutor. And she says, are you going to be here tomorrow? I was like, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. What right. are you talking about? Am I going to be there? Oh, this guy, I forget what his name was, uh, is going to be on trial. He's the guy that you know assaulted you. Right. And I said, well, you could have let me know a little sooner. Yeah. I thought they were going to subpoena me or something. Right. right. It's gonna, you're going to get a failure to appear warrant. Yeah. But anyway. Right. For being the victim of a crime. She said, well, well, we'll probably drop the charges because you're not going to be here. Right. But she said, if it's any consolation, he's been in jail since that day. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, they've held him the yeah. entire yep, time. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, shit. He okay. hit me so fucking hard, though. Yeah. <laughs> I was wearing like, uh, like wraparound sunglasses. Oakley's. Yeah. And I felt those sunglasses like compress against my... Uh, had I not been wearing them or had they shattered, yeah. I would have had a bigger problem. But um, The uh, folks at home can see what the chicken taxis are. It's basically an F-Series pickup truck and then a box on the back that will hold between 8 and 80 people. As many people as, as you want. As many people as can get in it. And the general rule is you give the driver a dollar when you get on or get off. And some people call them dollar taxis, but in town they call them chicken taxis. And I don't know where the hell the chicken thing came from, but the, the deal with St. Thomas is they're everywhere. Well, it looks like a truckload of chicken cages. It you does. Know, like a bunch of chickens. Yeah, and it is, it's walk-on, walk-off kind of thing. And it's, you know, if there's an established route, I've never figured it out. But it just seems like at all the best times, there's one there. And then when you need <clears> one, you don't see one for hours. Yeah. But that is a whole different way of getting around an island. And they're not afraid to rail those sons of bitches sideways around those turns. Where you're like, oh, look at that. If we went off the road right now, we would never stop falling. And they're not afraid to drive them. They're pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty cool thing. Uh, Virgin Islands are fun, but nice. I wish I had a motorcycle. That's all. That's all there is to it. Um, I, I have a story. Go ahead. So this, <laughs> this morning was awesome. Not really, but awesome. Well, so every, as I've said a few times on the podcast, when I have to go into work, I have this two-lane road I have to go on that's 60, 60 miles an hour or whatever, but there's always some asshole doing 50 next to somebody else blocking the lane. So this morning I come, and there's two semis, and they're just blocking for, like, I don't even know how long, but, like, I had to be at a shoot at 8.30. Like, I had to be there because we are going to start shooting right at 8.30. And I left early and everything, and these dudes are fucking me. They're going so slow, it's, taking, it's killing me. I'm like, I'm going to be late. 
So the one dude kind of backs out. So I like downshifted my car and I go flying. As soon as I get like a half inch of gap between these two semis, I just bang through this dude, shift again. And my stupid Hyundai, I'm doing like 89 miles an hour. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm passing him. And then as I look to my right, there's a state trooper. <laughs> I fucking go around and I'm like, oh man. So I just pull in front of him, lights go on. And I pull over and I'm like, fuck man. Right. All right. So I pull over. And, and it's a state trooper. It's a state trooper. So that means... And he's in. You're he's getting a ticket. And he's in a big. He's like in an SUV. Right. It's not even a car. No, like, that's he, why I didn't even notice yeah. it. You know. <laughs> he probably normally would only pull over semi trucks, but that's well. He actually he said that later. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so I'm sitting there, and he's behind me, and I can tell he's running the stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm doing the get my license out, right. and I'm, and then I have an insurance company where all my cards are on my phone. And yeah. I got an app, you know. So I pull out my phone, and I'm like digging up my insurance, and I'm sitting there. And he's still taking a long time. And so I'm an idiot. Right. So as I'm sitting there, I'm like, I should pull up the cops theme. Yes. I'm like, this seems like a good time. And this might go over really well. Right. So I, I pull up YouTube and I find the cop theme and I start playing it. You know, and it has an intro. It doesn't just kick in. Right. No, no. So yeah. I'm like, I'm like, so I stop <clears throat> it. So right. I'm watching, I'm watching. And when I see the door open of his cop car, I hit play. So the music's playing. Right. So it's not like I just turn it right. on. Right. Yeah. So I, and I, <clears throat> I put it at the volume, like. Not loud, not right. quiet, noticeable. Noticeable. Yeah, right? Right. So I'm expecting him to come to my side because I'm an idiot and I forget that they come to the other side. Yeah, so I'm yeah. looking this way, which kind of probably made this all better. Yeah, because they want to disorient you a little yeah, bit. So yeah, so I'm looking this way and I hear a tap on the glass on the right. And as <laughs> I hit the button and the fucking window goes down, it goes, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? And fucking the cow, he kind of go, he kind of takes back a second. Because he could see, oh, mind yeah. you, mind you, I'm being cool. I yeah, have my right. license and right. like thing like this, right? Yeah. So, you know, so he takes it back a second. He comes back. Like, he rears back, leaves right. the window, comes back and goes, is that the theme from Cops? I go, oh, wow, yeah, I guess it is. Imagine that. The timing on that is impeccable. Impeccable. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he goes, all right, well played. He goes, let me, uh, I'll be right back. So he goes, he takes my license and goes back to the car. So right. now I'm sitting there. I let the song play out because yeah, I'm committed. Now, I'm right? committed oh, at this yeah. point, right? But he takes long enough that the song right. ends, you know, whatever. Yeah. So he comes back. He goes, okay, that was pretty good. He goes, you made my day. He goes, I'm taking off the 89 and a 60. I'm, uh, I'm taking off the reckless operation, Whoa. but I'm going to stick you with the no turn signal. And I said, I, sir, I will take that. I'll take that. No I turn and I said, you know, hey, I'll take I said, that zero I've point been getting violation. a little loose with my right foot on the way to work, and I might have needed this reminder. So right. thank you very much for your service, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, Phil, what kind of a deal was that? Uh, that's, a, that's a sore dick deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't beat it. But see, sometimes uh, you got to yeah. go for it, man. And you it do have to out. go for it. Because yeah. that ticket would have sucked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really yeah. badly. Yeah, that's a 89 yeah. and a 60. Yeah. That's 29 over. That's not good. That's when they bump it to, instead of $2 per mile an hour, it jumps to $3 oh. per mile an hour, $4 per mile an and hour. And it was a firsthand witness of me like clearing a semi by 1.2 inches. <laughs> Not exactly. And if you wanted to be a dick and stick you with a reckless op, yeah, no, totally. That's all oh, the yeah. points. No, I'll show you the ticket. Yeah. It's in the it, it. It has like it's in the, the notes. It's in the notes. It's in the notes. Thank you. Yes, yeah, it's in the it was notes. Was warned for. Well, yep, I get it. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. He, he's a ple- he, Look, we all here in the state of Ohio, we all have a good fun with our law enforcement folks, right? Right. But the one person you just don't fuck with is a trooper. No. No, but you know what? That was the first one that it was ever cool. Mm-hmm. From the moment before, like even before he realized the cop thing, right. he had a smile on his face. Yep. 
Man. Like usually you're absolutely right. I've never had luck with state yeah. troopers. I had a cop in my car and got a ticket from a state trooper. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm gonna tell and I didn't you, even yeah. do anything wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> but today, the props state, to the guy. The and state, to John's yeah. point, he said that that vehicle, he goes, usually I'm here to pull over semis. Right. But he goes, you kind of cut in front of all of us right there. So I had to do something. I had to do something. <laughs> I, mean, I was getting ready to take down slide. the semi and then you went flying by. I was, was going like, to write the semi a ticket for 15 under. Yeah. Yep. But you had to go. Well, and I asked him. Rolling roadblock. I did ask him. So as as we were ending our our interaction, you know, all positive, et cetera. I was like, officer, I said, I said, you were awesome. But can I ask you to do me a favor? And he was like, what? I'm like, I travel on this road two, sometimes five times a week. And I'm like, there's always somebody doing 45 or 50 next to somebody. I'm like, can you control them? He goes, anytime I see that, I pull them over. I said, all right, that's what I wanted to do. Johnny Chrome used to drive big trucks. And Johnny Chrome used to call that turtle racing. Yep, <laughs> I was like, "That's a great term well, for as, it." Yeah. As fucking, uh, as, uh, as as craft services would say, the problem is most of them are governed. Yeah, but the problem is they keep trying to pass other governed trucks. So they literally, your foot down and it's yeah. doing sixty-five. Oh no! If the one guy closes his window, he's got oh, like yeah. a one tenth of a mile per hour advantage over the other guy, right? Yeah. How much diesel you have on board dictates exactly. how fast two Schneider exactly. trucks are going to be. When think they're about how other. unsafe that is, though. Yeah. Well, have, the, like it's caused like their safety feature yeah, of throttling that's them. That's the funny part is that it's literally de- it's literally designed to be a safety feature. Right. But the reality is that if you govern these things to seventy miles an hour, right, both of them are going to be ro- doing a rolling roadblock. Yeah, miles. It's going to be sixty nine point nine 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 miles per hour. The whole world. That's, yep. But in your case. Hey, turn signal ticket. Hey, be, yeah, I, so, it. I don't know what the fine is, but I guarantee you it's a lot less. Than I guarantee I'm, you're going to mail that check in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, I am. So, since did you make it to the shoot on time? Um, I was five minutes late, but well, I got no, to wow. t- I got to tell my coworker the story, and he yeah. was like, "That was worth that five minutes." That was worth five yeah. minutes. I so. feel for We're another for another, for another record, I'm trying to get her to make a device that sits in the in the device that she already is involved with. Yeah, that sits on the dash of the truck that says, "Asshole, get out of the left hand lane. You're only doing mm-hmm. 70. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, you have no business in the left hand lane. So I had a question for Pete. Lane management. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, have you ever done, or how much of the, or are you aware of the Lost at Last Adventure Trail through Ohio? I am aware of it. It's called that's the uh, Great Ohio Adventure Trail. Lost at Last, I believe, is the website that hosts it. Mm-hmm. But it leaves from uh, uh, Upper, uh, say the northeast Maysville, part of the state. Georgetown. What's that's the southernmost part of it, right? What's the city right here? It's like Maysville, Kentucky. Ripley, right? Ripley, Ripley, and but Maysville. I heard, I heard it's pretty gnarly though. It's not like big. I heard it's not fun on big bikes. Really? Like it's a WR two fifty kind of thing. At least down in mid Ohio, like central Ohio and stuff, it gets pretty gnarly. Well, I'm looking. The southern part looks really fun, and if you're zoomed out, even the northern part looks squiggly until you start zooming in. And then you realize it falls prey to northern grid uh, to where yeah. it looks like a squiggle when you're zoomed out. But then right. when you zoom in, it's like a bunch of 90 degrees. You're is just it on roads sh- or is it dirt? It's a little of both. Oh. It's 1,100 miles from the northeast part of the state to the southwest part of the state. Hmm. Because I was looking at this and I'm like, well, what if you got up on a Saturday morning and you went and you jumped out and you rode out to like Streetsboro and you jumped on it, then I could take it like all the way up to my house. And it ends in Conneaut, yep. where I have a house. Okay. See, well, oh, wow. I, so that buddy, could be kind of a fun thing. I thought yeah. maybe like 
my buddy Mike that was, you know, on the podcast yeah. a couple of times and kind of adventure rider dude, he took, when he had his FJ09 or FZ09, whatever he had, FZ06, he slapped kind of mediocre tires on it. He was going down. They started following that. He got to a point where, and he, he loves this shit, but it was like, you know, 60 degree angle on gravel up through dirt, you know, where he was like, I had the wrong tires and, and I, I was like 1% over what I needed to make it up the hill and I was by myself and it got pretty gnarly. Yeah. Well, so. I, do, I don't, I don't want to mince words. I did. I'm kind of determined to utilize Pete a little bit this summer mm, or yeah, once I'm the in. weather gets better. I'm good. And, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and maybe upfit either, you know, I could either bring my KLR back from Conneaut to here or most likely I'd like to really maybe new tires on the Versys like TKC80s or something like mm. that and make that more of an adventure bike that could handle kind of stuff like that. Because I know you're the type of guy who'll get up on a, you know, get up and take off early in the morning, do 200 miles, half of it dirt and come back. Oh, Absolutely. But that trail there is eleven hundred miles long, so that's yeah. I have no intention of doing the whole thing. Okay. But I was like, if there was a part of it that was closer up this way that I could super slab like through Streetsboro and then get on it and try to spend four or five hours of it heading north or or vice versa or whatever, I would be interested. It's a date. Yeah, there you go. Let's do it. Yeah, ditto. That sounds fun. That sounds very fun. Yeah. More of that, and the fact that I mean, it's all right here. As the as the weather gets better, we are we will have more uh, on the scene. Because I'm also been scoping out some stuff out at Conneaut, and I went we went to the one covered bridge area, mm-hmm. and there were, looked to be miles of like quadrunner trails that crossed over the Conneaut River and just went along the river and stuff like that. And I'm like, I could easily come out here with my my KLR and just yeah. dip off the road and. I didn't, I mean, I'm sure, I would worry about, like, trail cams and stuff like that. And well, you can stay on um, unmaintained county roads without going on private property and still. Well, this was like, there was a covered bridge, and you get off there, and you go down to the the creek, Conneaut Creek, and then there's looks like somebody has well-worn in quadrunner trails all up and down this side, and then you look over across, people have gone across, there's a trail, like, I'm just explore a little bit of that and it didn't look too bad i mean i'd be a little bit worried about that if you're on private property because right you don't, you don't know where it leads you to correct mm-hmm. I, but i would suppose like if it really hugs the creek and you can't you go until you see a house or something then turn around come back as was my plan or a no trespassing sign if i see mm-hmm. a sign yes no i mean that's that's legit you know no trespassing sign or um you get to a locked gate or something says private property it's like you don't go into there see i i trust your judgment in these things you have a lot of experience at it no, we're just bad at judgment. Ah, I have a very much a lack of judgment. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get to. So if you do want to do that, did you know that there is a trick with your KLR650? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dunlap's got these uh, new Trailmax tires uh-huh. that people are really kind of liking. Yeah, both and, of my bikes should have different tires on them. Yeah, yeah. And people are using these Trailmaxes pretty, pretty rowdy. And for the longest time, the Shinko 705 was kind of the go-to for people wanting to take a bike that maybe wasn't meant to be an adventure bike and make it an adventure bike because they came in all the right sizes. And they last long and they're good on the highways. I have those on my Africa Twin right now. Yep. And I think that that, that's a good way to go with these. But there is a trick with the Versys um, that I picked up from one of our customers. And that is that on the front, you know, you're running a 17-inch wheel, right? Right. So, but what you can do is you can put a 120 by 90 on there. So if you put a 120 by 90 on there, it becomes the same OD as a 19 inch tire. So it's a way to pick up the OD of a 19 inch 
wheel without buying a 19 inch wheel okay and it's it's totally functional you have to raise the front oh, fender say, a little bit yeah the fenders yeah have yeah so it's a it's it's definitely an easy thing to do for picking up were you with me the one time we were jacking around we were yeah. doing a recon thing? you were on your verses yeah. i was on the klr right and i went through this construction zone over by uh metro west right so i'm over by metro hospital and i just was like oh come on what was that 30 feet or 75 feet of dirt and gravel yeah yeah. i'm gonna do a little urban adventure riding yeah yeah i figured out how small that front 17 inch wheel was within like nine feet of (laughs) gravel sand garbage Mm. and you just were like whatever yeah 21 inch wheel it's not even there but i was like real quickly my front end came to a stop and I had to use a maximum amount of rear end to get the front end unloaded to make it skip over the, the, the shitty stiff. I think this is a great idea for a tire you're going to buy anyway. Right. Yeah, that's a really cool thing. And that is available as a 705. So you can get that as a Shinko 705. And I happen to know a guy who's a dealer and get you a good price. Shinko is the brand that's rising quickly to the top of my selection of tires mm-hmm. because of affordability and the type of tire that they are and what I would want. I mean, TKC 80s would be great, but the, mm-hmm. I think the Chico has the 804 and 805 yep, yep. is kind of what I was looking at for too. maybe the KLR yeah. or for the Versys. The Shinkos usually get about 2,500 more miles than yeah. I just, I absolutely will not put anything on either of those bikes that has a diagonal to it. No. I want only square blocks. I cannot, <laughs> because they if it's any kind of diagonal, it just spins you around as soon as you start getting off camber or, or, or you're climbing a hill. It just, wants to, it just wants to turn you around and yeah. send you back down the hill or whatever. So, A lot of the tires, the Trail Max, the, when Dunlop did their Trail Max, one of the biggest things that I thought was smart is rather than doing a big block design like a TKC80 does, they do have a little bit of a left and right Aztec style, like... Uh, well, now that's the Tromax Mission. The Mission. The You're 50, exactly 50. right. Now, yep. they just came out very recently. I'm going to say within the last month, they came out with a new Tromax. The Raid? Mission Raid, correct. The Raid, right. Which is based on the Dunlap 908. Was that the one that has, like, bars, but yep. they're, like, yep. stepped, they're like yep. stepped like this? Mm-hmm. There's, like, bars in the middle, and then bar, and then bar in a series. There you guys go, right there. There's your Tromax Raid. Uh they're kind of sexy, right? They're kind of a sexy looking tire. Oh, that's the price for both? Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't like that. Uh, they yeah. probably wouldn't be bad, but I'd right. rather just have square fucking right. blocks. And I can also tell you I have a lot of experience running on TKC80s that TKC80s are extremely predictable on the street. Very they, predictable on the street. They're pretty decent off-road, too, yeah. but I just don't get mileage out of them. You don't. I've tried all the tires, man. Yeah. I've tried Shinkos, yeah. Kendas. Yeah, uh, I am okay with that though because I'm probably not putting on ten thousand miles this summer. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be I, happy if I put five thousand miles. I'd be happy if I put three thousand miles. Right. I eventually went to two sets of wheels, so I have one set of wheels with knobbies on it, and mm-hmm. another set of wheels with Trailmax missions on it, which right. put me down a gravel road. They're fine on the highway, whatever. Yeah. But they get a, the Trailmax missions get eight thousand to ten thousand miles on right. the rear and. North of 10,000 miles Easy, on, on, the, on front, the front. Yeah. Which is great. If yeah. we ever end up in Conneaut, there are things. The, the one thing about Conneaut, cheap. Super cheap. Super cheap. Yeah. Right. Like, like, super, it's very affordable to live. And I know you almost none of you guys, nobody's drinking anymore, but like yeah. you can go to the Moose and yeah. 
two beers and uh, some chicken wings is $12. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's stupid. cheap living up there. Yeah. Really cheap living. The uh, I haven't installed a set of these raids yet. No, they're brand new. I haven't. And we've done a bunch with the missions. Here's a, here's a point of uh, interest for you, Phil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Dunlap um, rep right. is named Phil Waters. I know. Okay. I've already talked to him. Felipe, yeah. I, Felipe Aguas. Felipe yeah. Aguas. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's my Mexican name, too. Yep. Okay. And uh, Felipe Aguas, and it was a funny thing because one of the customers brought it up and said, hey, are you, I got to talk to you about Dunlop, about tires. And I was like, yeah, we're Dunlop Pro Dealer at our shop. And he goes, yeah, you're, uh, you're my rep. And I went, I don't think I'm your rep. And he goes, no, it's Phil Waters. And I said, yeah, it's, that's the other Phil Waters. So it is hilarious that there is another Phil Waters who is a Dunlop rep. Wow. All yeah, right. it's yeah. really funny. And, uh, and the first time we realized that was at a motorcycle show thing where I, w- I had, you know, normally when I go to a motorcycle show, I got seven badges. <laughs> and I, I, r- I run across and I was like, did somebody give you one of my badges? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I, he looked over <laughs> and I have seven Phil Waters badges around my neck. And he's like, I am never going to wait for a badge in my life that you exist. And every time we go, the ladies are always trying to give me the badges for the Dunlop booth. And I'm like, I'll, I'll take it. I don't care. Right? Sure. Why not? And he's like, I know where it went. Yeah. No, now, now it's an absolute, you you have two people with the exact same name and the exact same spelling in the same industry. Yeah. It's really funny. Um, I haven't installed any of these yet, but I'm looking forward to, I, I think it looks like a really fun tire. I do too. It's classified as a 40, 60, 40, is that what they call on, it? 60%. Off. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's not a true knobby like John was saying. Right. But I think that will be good for ninety percent of what I do off road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a. That's I've never a cool minded riding knobbies on on the street. I don't know why. It's just stupid uh-huh. hillbilly me. Yeah, it's fine. I don't. I'm like, yes, I like knobbies. No, but if you put a lot of miles, they just get eaten. They get exactly. destroyed. Yeah. I don't want to change them in the middle of a trip. You know, you drive to the yeah. west coast, you yeah. need a new tire for you can ride home. And yeah. a lot of guys that are dirt, I'm not dirt, doing dirt. that. I'm not doing that. There are tires now that are dirt. Hard compound when you mount them one direction, and you mount them the other hard compound, and they're they're soft. Yeah, compound. the Jeep, the Tractionator GPS. Right, it right. It was if you rode them the, the normal forwards. Right. They were like a eighty twenty. Yeah. And then if you did it Flipped the other way, it was fifty fifty. Yeah. Whatever came on my KLR stock, your military be, one. It seemed like every other block. Yeah. Was hard. There was a hard block and yeah. a soft block, because after they wore down, every other block was like it was like. Doot, 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 doot. And when you would ride that bike, it was like, duh, 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 duh. you could literally feel every other block. Now, sometimes that's the suspension setup that causes wear like that, yeah. too. My, my suspension has never been set up, especially for me, no. because I know it's probably on the lightest preload on the rear, and I just womp it down. But I've kind of left it that way because I don't care. But that will, well, I mean, because I'm on the road and stuff, and so... Waiting for a technical, like I left it that way because I had planned on. He's like, well, I've left it that way because <laughs> it's on it's on the street and it's actually just nice to have the bike sagged out and I can put my feet down and everything like right. that. Yeah. The second I'm, I'm actually thinking about really riding it off road or something like that, I need to turn up the suspension so it can at least keep me. And even even at its lowest setting, I rarely bottom it out. But it's just that my ride height is like, you know what I mean? Part of the military. You can see it in the video when yeah. when one of the many times that I passed Cinch. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Once. That the ass end of the bike is kind of hunkered down. Many of the, uh, when all the changes they made to the Kawasaki KLR 650s to make them in from a civilian vehicle into a military vehicle, um, they put Dunlop D606s on it, right? 
And so a D606 has a lifespan that's pretty short. Um, you want to run them while they're fresh and sticky and grippy and fun because when they turn old, they become wood, for lack of a better term. John's tires were wood before he got the bike. Correct. Right. They I mean, were from 1999. 1999, exactly. You know, the bike had seven or 800 miles No on miles it. at all on D606s. Mm-hmm. And the bike had only ever been ridden on tarmac for 600, 700 miles, tarmac and sand, you know, in Iraq. And then you get it. And the tires were just like the sides of the tires are just, it's just the most garbage thing in the world. And I was watching you ride it, and I was like waiting for one of those knobs to come off and blind me. Yeah. It's like a knob, a, a two-inch knob hits you in the chest at 70 miles an hour. Yeah. You're like, that's going to hurt. You know what's funny, though? Yeah. So when we went to the Blue Ridge a couple years ago yeah. on all inappropriate bikes, and I took my SP250, right. it had wood tires from, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, 80, I don't, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, yeah right? right. So for the first day, I was fucking, I was petrified. I was sliding all over the place yeah. and everything. As were your tires. But once yeah. they wore through the wood. He was petrified. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> this is a pun cast. <laughs> but, but, uh, but once once you wore through the wood and you got to the soft, it wasn't normal soft. No, it, it was, was foam. real soft. Like, and then it was like, then I was hammered, dude. You found some soft, soft pulp was, in the middle. Yeah, dude, it was. <laughs> I had two good days of tire, like running. And then that was it. And now, yeah, now right. all the things are like that. Now thing. there's cheetah slicks. Yeah. <laughs> That's that was fun. Uh, I, this, you know, when I think about the different bikes that I've had over the years and the way they were set up uh, and dirt bikes that I rode off-road, correctly but then would try to ride them on the street incorrectly savagely and to my own detriment uh i've never really had the luxury of having like oh this bike has the perfect like this is the perfect bike and the perfect tire this is the way things are gonna hook up and i'm gonna be chris birch now like i've got it figured out i'm gonna go wheelie adventure bike so this is this is my new life every time i've ever done that i've always been just instantly reeled in like the giant waiting hand of karma sees me like oh you're gonna try to wheelie that 1200 cc motoguzzi adventure bike (laughs) yes i am i am i'm i'm not gonna do anything crazy but i would like to lift the front wheel up over this little small twig and that is invariably where the everything in the world just doesn't work the the tire doesn't grip the front end takes a dive and something the size of a two-inch sapling puts me on my ass (laughs) because I just got everything wrong. Meanwhile, any other time I'm riding a fucking 125cc scooter and I can loft the front end over anything and be like... Because well, you could just almost... Pick it up <clears> yeah, because I'm have, wearing... You don't need the power. Because I'm just, wearing flip-flops and right. a goddamn tank top. But meanwhile, if I got all the right gear on and all the cool shit and I've got a bike that I've spent a lot of time setting up, invariably it's always that whole like, yep, that twig over there. Yeah, That's going to be the one that gets you. But how many years have we, we spent wheeling 125 scooters yeah and and the entire point is to not spill your beer i still i still feel more confident (laughs) mostly naked with a beer in my hand going sideways around band camp in the grass and dirt and mud and blood and everything else there's a huge there's (laughs) on street tires there's a huge different proponent that's not being addressed yeah none of us here were ever handed like like i think everybody here has worked pretty hard for what they have done right yeah so it's really hard to go and throw an eighteen thousand dollar motorcycle with the chance of fucking it up in the air and doing dumb shit to it like right i 
I still, even like the Africa Twin that I got, it's not, it's, I didn't buy it new. Yeah. You know, I got it at a really right. good price, but I still have a hard time sometimes like just, well, I'm going to chuck it up this fucking hill. How many times hold. did you drop your 1200 BMW? Your big, your... The, the 1150, I, oh, yeah, the, just a handful of times. Was that the GSA? It, yeah, yeah, well, the 800 GSA also. Okay. The 800 has right. been on the ground considerably more times. Yeah, than, than that was going to be my question. Yeah, so. oh, yeah, the 800 bounces off the ground for, rather, rather frequently. <laughs> but, recently? But that's what I'm saying. Like, recently? There, oh, is yeah. a, there is a bit of a thing in most people's brains. That so if I go riding with you, should I ride my Versys or my KLR the first time? Either one. I think either of those are... I don't do like super hard. They're very stuff. close. I mean, it's yeah. honest. It's almost like, do you really need those two bikes in your life sometimes? But I mean, yeah, I mean, like, they don't go crazy. I rode with him and we, Dave, and it's fun. Uh, the guy I work with, he's he did a lot of motocross and stuff like that, but he's really been thinking about getting an adventure bike, so we've been having that conversation a lot. And he's really hot. He's been looking at the, the Versys 300, and he's mm-hmm. like, man, that's a great little bike. It's crazy, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But then we, you know, that conversation drifted into what would be the ultimate bike you could build. And I, I've been pushing for like, I want the CRF 500L. What about the new Transalp? Well, th- that's also fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and the Transalp actually comes in at a great price, too, yeah. for what it is. But like the 500cc, like, take, a, take, take the CB500 motor and put it in a dirt bike frame. Mm-hmm. Well, or like, have- take my KLR... And put the Versys motor in that frame. Yeah, but they have so you like, could get then it would really be good. It'd be great. So, you could you so could go cr- all the way cross country, and it would still be pretty good off road. So CB five hundred X with knobbies. Well, no, they have I, they I, have I, it. I it's the rally raid. Yeah, I did. I built the rally raid. Yeah, kit. they have yep. stage yep. three, and it's exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. One hundred percent. Twenty one inch front wheel. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Stage three, it does. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I thought it was a nineteen. Either way, I'd it's, have to. Yeah, it's not tiny. But to me, that seems like... Giant Loop was selling those kits. They were the American distributors selling the Rally Raid kits. It wasn't cheap, though, right? No, it wasn't. I, I bought the bike really cheap. Um, one of these stories where the guy just had a baby. His wife didn't want... Or his wife just had the baby. But um, she didn't want him riding bikes anymore, so I bought the bike for a song and then um, bought the kit and put it all together. Mm-hmm. I rode it for a year, and then I sold it hmm. for what exactly what I had into it. Well, I mean, F- F650s are cheap as chips now anyway, so... Yeah, I mean, if you're going to buy something just to throw away, that's that's the way to go. And the early F650s still had the Austrian built yeah. Rotax engine because yeah. the later ones went to the Chinese built. Well, once Rotax. you get to once you get to yeah, because 2007, you I think, or Aprilia six. Aprilia built the early one, the Funduro, and then it went to Austria, and then after that, it went to went to China. Yep. So I I actually found a um, what was the G500X? The early ones they did the they did like oh, one no. year knockoff. No, they had that uh, 450 X cross country. cross country. One of those popped yep. up, and I, yep. I, I almost contacted the guy. And mm-hmm. I started doing some research, and they were like, yeah, no, BMW abandoned this completely. You can't even buy parts. I'm like, no. a BMW can't buy parts for We decided we really didn't like the CRF 450L because it's just too much of a motocross bike. Yeah. It's not made for the street really at all. Well, and well I, was, I was looking at the WR250X myself. People have spoken very highly yeah. of those. Oh, yeah, I know a guy that rode one cross country. But then it was like, well, all those bikes just try to beat the DRZ 400. That's true. So if you're going to, I want to try to beat some, something that's almost as good as the DRZ off road, but is even way better on road, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, dude, that's the, the rally rate. It's a good looking bike. The Yamaha T700. That's it's, a good yeah. bike, too. That's a very nice bike. Yeah. <laughs> Versys is going to get upgraded. 
They almost have to. They're mm-hmm. going to have to make it a 700 or 750. But I honestly, I'm in that camp of you've got the right motor. Got the right motor. What do you need? Well, do you need a 19-inch wheel or something that acts like a 19-inch wheel? Probably, right? I so say you, you've already got that. It needs a 21. That's not out of the question either, yeah. right? So those things are all very easy to do. Take a, take a Versys. Like, On the motorcycle you already own. Build the KLX 650. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's a versus stripped down with a twenty with a good front end with a twenty one inch wheel. Well, I mean, they've made. I mean, because the, then now you're going to be because that's what you're competing well, against. But then the, you're that's the, the, the T the T seven hundred and the and the you know what I mean. That's what they mm-hmm. have to do. But I mean, that's kind of the the newest, the last generation KLR six fifty is pretty much that, right? But it doesn't have the right motor. Well, no. Yeah. Right. Get so, fuel injection. Yeah, I agree. Which is what the new the new KLR has. Yeah, I mean, I love a thumper, but no, yeah. not once, yeah. once you're going to go on the. If you want to go 70 mile an hour all day long, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. You need yeah. the Versys motor in there. It looks like Adventure Motorcycling did the perfect Versys project, and so the good news is you don't have to even reinvent the wheel. You know uh, that people have done a 21 inch wheel conversion. Well, well, there's a guy on there that yep. does this whole thing. It's called like the Dirt Runner, Dirt Runner, yeah. whatever. Yep. But he like he takes the motor from John's bike and then a couple different frame parts of like these other bikes and combines them into this gravel thing that's insane. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's cool too. That, I mean, for a while there was like a Versys with almost no miles and no title, right? But they were asking like fifteen hundred bucks, and I'm like, oh, but I have a Versys, so I could just right. put my plate exactly. on there, yeah. turn that one into just the death, you the know, death the, vehicle, right? the war, the right. war bike, and then yeah, that's not even fooling around. That's fucking crazy right there. That super high travel, long suspension on the front, I mean, big old bash plate, yeah. right? That is somebody that has said, we're going to put all of the air in the world under this Versys. Where do you uh, put the exhaust on? I can't see the exhaust. I'm going to go ahead and pull another picture of it because I'm telling you, I do not know. We have a lot of forensic information that we is need that to like look at on this. Is that like a 650 front end? I think it is. Probably. Because that'd yeah. be the easy way to go. Yeah, I think it is. I, 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 I would have got rid of that whole fairing, like strip it all the way down. And I know there's so, supposedly somebody has done that. There's like a guy it. that all he does is he takes his uh, Aversis and gets just strips it down to the bare minimum, everything you can take off, and mm-hmm. he takes off, puts knobbies on it, and makes it like a, as much of a dirt bike as possible. I mean, that would be the thing is to make a parallel twin DR650. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Or a parallel twin KLR650. Uh, yeah. And then there are other people that would argue that a DR650 and a KLR650 are both per- pretty much fucking perfect the way they are. Yeah. yeah. That depends what you want to do. But if you're right. not, but again, we're talking about doing on-road, off-road at the same time. And the DR and, and the KLR both are a little lacking in the top end. That's, that's not a lot. You can ride them long distance. I All I had to do was slow down 10 miles per hour. Yeah. Correct. I had to slow down. Go, go the speed limit or five over and you'll be I, fine i i the one time i rode to pensacola i was drafting trucks <laughs> i was riding my I, I spent a good stretch of on my klr at yeah. 90 mile an hour and it was just oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> once, once you once you get in behind a once you get in behind a uh, behind a semi-truck trailer on a, on a klr you can go all day <laughs> i think that on that trip i went oh god i think i went from jackson hole wyoming to chicago at 80 miles an hour that for 80 for yep. for that range for that entire distance and then i thought i think that i would like to do is change where i have everything because you know when you're riding a motorcycle for a long period of time your brain is wandering 
you're making improvements to the motorcycle, you're doing miles per gallon math, you're figuring out when I can stop, when I'm going to switch to reserve. Your brain is very active when you don't have other things to play with. And so you're riding this motorcycle and I'm just doing that because, you know, it was safe. You know, it's what I'm doing. And that was the speed I wanted to go. Very predictable. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just well, what it is, is, man. This is, this is what is the wheat whacker conversion is what this came out of. Because mm. you, you raise, you cut the fairing. I. You raise the fairing and it changes the aerodynamics of the front of the I, KLR. You start, your brain starts and your yeah. brain goes, okay, here's the th- first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to engage my steering dampeners. <laughs> so I'm going to do full muscle lock. Yeah. And that lasts about 30 minutes. Yep. And it, it does. It isolates quite a lot of the whoo And you're like, okay, that I can't do that anymore. Then you're going to be like, okay, I'm just going to fucking go dead stick on this shit and see what the front wheel wants to do. That's, the, that's bad. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do the fingertip on the bars. No, don't do that. Mm-mm, that's fucking bad. Then I did the whole, okay, well, let's do the old the Dunlop trick from the 60s was change your center of gravity more forward and low on the motorcycle. So put your body, put your torso very forward on the bike and get your weight nice and low and get, you know, just do that and minimize your, uh, your wind impact. Right. I did that. Nothing. Right. So then you start thinking, okay, well, what can, at my next fuel stop, what am I going to alter? And I was never so angry about the giant fucking touring gas tank capacity of a KLR because fuck the seat, the seat and the gas tank are not simpatico. You need a much better seat for that giant gas tank. I actually have a metal one that yeah. I could probably throw on mine, right, and get rid of the seven point three gallon, the, the one nine gallon, <laughs> yeah, right, the military the, tank, the Kuwait to Baghdad yeah, tank, I, the IMS, yeah. Well, what I did when I got to Chicago is I changed everything in my loadout. I mean, I changed where everything was, and I put a lot of the things that I had behind me in front of me, and by putting everything that I had behind me. And I still had the tall KLR windshield, like the, the tallest GV1 they sell. Yeah. By putting everything that I had behind me into the middle of the bike and just, you know, taking panniers off the in, back and putting in, them on the gas tank. Inside the bubble. Everything on the bike was happier, another five miles an hour higher. And then I was like, shit, I think that wind, aerodynamics was having a more of an effect on this than anything else. So my last leg from Cleveland to from Chicago to Cleveland, I took the entire front windshield off, just got rid of it completely because it's a handlebar mounted windshield. It's mounted to the forks. And I took that big, beautiful, tall GV windshield off and just ate the wind from Chicago to Cleveland. But I got lower and I got lower. And now the bike was happy at almost 90 miles an hour. So I had eventually figured out where the bike was happy. But I've also done that same trip on a DR650 and it wasn't happy at anything about 75 miles an hour either. Honestly, I have to say that the KLR650 was happier at those speeds than the DR was. And I think that you could either mutate a KLR, I'm sorry, a Versi650 or you could really fine tune a KLR. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think that I think that this bike, I know it's fucking weird to look at, but I wonder if that bike is going to inherit some of the same problems with uh, 18 on the back and 21 in the front that we're going to have, whether it be a KLR or a Versys. I, I a think fin- the, of, oh, go ahead. I say a fender like that's going to catch a lot that's of That's exactly where I was going. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Because the first thing you do on a KLR is you get rid of that fucking fender. Get rid of that damn fender. <laughs> if you're going to be riding it on the street a whole lot, put a 
sports bike front Pete fender on it. Were, we're exact. We're on the yeah. exact same page. Yeah. And you were you hitting the nail on the head too, Phil, when you said a windshield mounted mm-hmm. fairing or mm-hmm. wind or I mean a handlebar mounted fairing yep. or windshield is going to transfer that wind load yep. to the steering. To the steering. Whereas this versus in the picture, that's a chassis mounted fairing. Exactly. And the the handlebars turn within that yep. fairing. So and that's why they've done that with the newer KLRs too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why most of your road oriented machines yeah. have that set up versus a handlebar mounted setup. Yeah. Handlebar, handlebar mounted big windshields are a cruel mistress. Um, it doesn't take much. And resistance in wind is yeah. exponential. So when yeah. you get up 70, 80, it's, 90 miles an hour, you're really loading that front end up. Yeah. But God, I love getting that extra 15 miles per gallon. Like, yeah. that's, pretty, that's pretty great because of, you're like, wow, I just put on a windshield. I'm more comfortable. I can sit upright. My back doesn't hurt. My neck doesn't hurt. And I'm getting an extra 15 miles per gallon. And generally, there's a sweet spot where you figure out where you're not fighting the wind mm-hmm. with the bike, and you're getting decent mileage, and yep. you're in that um, pocket of clean air yeah. behind the windshield. So when you get it right, it all feels Well, make good. no mistake. If I take my KLR and just drive 65, 70 yeah. miles an hour, yeah. it's very comfortable. And just do that and be happy, and you'll be fine. On the Alaska trip going up on an Interceptor, totally wrong bike for the job. And coming back on a KLR 650, totally right bike for the job. But the Interceptor, I could go 100, 110 miles an hour, 150 miles an hour, and just not fucking care. Just go. Makes the trip shorter. But then you get to the last 700, 800 miles of the trip. Fucking sound guy. The Interceptor is the absolutely wrong bike. The KLR was the wrong bike for the entire trip back from Alaska. But it was better than the Interceptor. Yeah. I would much much rather have a bike that was 80% good for the entire goddamn trip than to have a bike that was like, really fucking good for the easy part of the trip and then totally the wrong bike for the bad part of the trip you know yeah that's 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 a tough one to, to bridge when the road turns to shit it really oh. like, yeah. and it's too as i'm getting older too i don't want the heavy bike like so the more and more i'm choosing the lighter bikes for and my off-road when i my cal my klr dry right is 337 yeah. pounds yeah but you know what if you think about when we went on that that trip right when that one day especially that was basically adventure riding like oh, we yeah, rode we on the to... highway we went on the back roads dirt we roads. did some yeah. fucking dirt roads we do whatever the my little even sp250 and that we had a great time doing that no absolutely yeah was, i don't know i think yeah. i think anybody can be fun if you just let it be that uh so phil yeah. anybody's fun if you're brave enough hey so apparently the drz wheel and fork uh swap is a common thing for the uh versus now oh is it really like yeah. I'm, I'm looking at actually a really nice. That's cool. In red. I'm. I'll just be honest. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I, I don't. Right. That's not what I have because I have a KLR. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to do that. I think you should try that oversized front tire business. But that, tires is all I plan on doing. I think that's going to make you real happy. Yeah, I think that's going to make you real happy because you're and, also... And mainly, I need to get tires, too, because it's a 2014 right. and it has right. the original tires. Yes. Yeah. Tire yeah, I would... Uh, the one thing I would get, though, especially if you're going to do gravel or something, is get a skid plate on that bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's 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 not a bad strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I'm not going to go anywhere rough. I don't need a skid plate. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Clunk. <laughs> I, I love when I'm riding on gravel roads, though, and you a, a real nice Tank. rock hits that. It's yeah. got that like real like organic sound. Yeah. Oh, it's just like, 
Yeah. Paid for itself right there, buddy. Yeah. But it's <laughs> well, like, I, I think with the verses though, it's going to just bounce off the exhaust. It's mm, yeah. not good either. It's not no. great. No, I, that's what I, right. they have. They sell skid plates. Not yeah. in my ideal I mean, I, yeah. yeah, sure. I'll take a, a dent in my exhaust before right. I take like a rock through the oil pan. Right. You know, right. <laughs> but I, above all, I'll take that solid ding. It's like yeah. a, it's like an aluminum bell. That's what I call it. Ringing the bell. Ringing the bell, man. Yeah. And if you're on the intercom talking to somebody else, they can hear you. Oh the yeah, bell they can. Over, over the intercom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the first one I got. I I was like, why do you suppose they put a plastic? Why did why do you suppose they put a plastic engine guard on this bike? And I was like, oh, that just seems like a bad idea. I think the cost savings measures have gone way too far in this application. And then I found out why they put a plastic rock guard on it. And it turns out that if you put a metal rock guard on certain motorcycles engines, it translates the energy from breaking the plastic bash plate into shearing the bolts in your engine cases. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, so the plastic rock guard that I bounced off of trees, hit with major wood and, uh, and gravel and crap, it took a beating and kept repeating and it was not a problem. Until the one day it was like, I just had to buy a new one. Well, I was like, no, I'm going to buy a metal one because I want a real one like the real ADV assholes have. I put the metal one on. The third thing I hit after it sheared two of my fucking bolts out of my engine case. <laughs> so it was like, there was, oh, there was a whole, man. There was a whole movement. I don't know if it's still going on or not. I was used to read about it on Adventure Rider. These dudes, they were all making forms and they'd get these like, PET plastic, yeah. like super fucking cutting boards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'd heat them to like 420 yeah. degrees, just yeah. like whatever the, like underneath the complete melting, but yeah. making it malleable. And then they'd all share these wooden forms where then they'd press them to make them so nice. they fit around the different nice. know, frame mounts. It's the but, opposite of vacuum molding. Right. But apparently those fucking things are indestructible. They, they are. Yeah. 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 They're lighter. Yeah. Yeah. And they're slipperier. So if you're going over rocks and stuff, they slip yeah, and slide. slide ah. It's like it's like we have a, a big like, sheet of that at work. It's like this thick, really of cutting board. It's yeah. a four by eight sheet. You know, thinking oh, yeah. about thinking about back in the day of skateboarding. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. The rib bones and exactly. all that. Shit. Yeah, yeah. For the first couple of years we did scooter racing, we the tracks discovered that every time we turn right, we're putting a lot of weight on our. Uh, selector or or transmission selector box so the transmission selector box is only as thick as it is it ain't thick enough and behind it is all the oil so uh when you make nine or ten hard turns in one lap or leave porcos and hit it or hit it yeah (laughs) Uh, which you did (laughs) uh but after nine or ten hard learns per per lap and half of those are right-handers we were grinding through our transmission selector boxes first or second outing and so every track that we ever raced on was like no no, we're not going to have to shut down this entire track because you dickheads on mopeds wanted to fucking dump a pint of oil all over turns seven through nine, right? Yeah. So we all came up with different ideas. And one of the best ideas I thought was we all just took license plates yep. and we cut license plates and using the two mounting bolts, we put extensions on the mounting bolts and put the license plates on. So when you'd lean the bike over into the turn, you'd get this auditory signal. It's like a curb feeler. It is yep. totally a curb yep. feeler. And you'd make this noise. Zing. And you're like, oh yeah, zing. This is so fucking cool. I'm dragging my knee. I'm, but then after four laps, you'd realize you just put a hole in a license plate. Yeah. And now you're into the selector box again. One of our buddies who was a skateboard fella got PET or whatever. And he'd made these really badass adhesive just puck puck 
yep. and you put it right on the son of a bitch. And I was like, well, that's great. I'm going to get one of those. So I whipped one up and uh, took an old skateboard wheel and hollowed it out, and stuck it on, and uh, it didn't make any noise anymore. <laughs> and I crashed really fucking hard because I went from, oh, okay, the noise will be coming in any moment now. The noise will be coming in any moment now. Oh, my tire hasn't been on the ground for quite some time. You're like, that's a different noise. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a different metal that's noise. Side <laughs> that's way more expensive. Yeah, we, what's what's that noise? To, oh, that's my knee. We need to, oh, that's your flywheel. Rubbing against the housing. We need to do these now, but put like magnesium in them. Yeah. I mean look, anything, but the the sound that I had gotten so used to was no longer there, and yeah. I just fucked myself up in a corner. The uh, it's just it's just a strange, funny thing. The uh, so today I sold the BMW 325i, a car that I bought. Well, no, I didn't buy it. A lady came into my shop and said, "I want that Vespa," and I went, "Great." And she goes, "I don't have that kind of money." And I said, "Well, what do you, what else you have?" She goes, "Well, I have that BMW." And I looked out in the driveway, and there's this beautiful black BMW, right? Cool, and it's all the things, you know. It's the convertible, straight six, five speed transmission, rear wheel drive. It's cool, and it's just banged up and have enough to have no value. And the driver's seat is perpetually in the gangster lean position, right? So it's just broken enough to be a very affordable car. And I drove it around for a while, and I liked it, but I didn't love it. And then things started making noises that on BMWs are very expensive. <laughs> and virtually any noise on a BMW is very expensive. Yes. And I didn't really have any real money into the car, so I didn't want to put any real money into the car. Right. And it's got, you know, slightly slammed suspension and nice big wheels and skinny, you know, thin tires and shit. It looked cool. It was a cool car. Perfect car for Cleveland streets. Yeah, right? <laughs> and the rear shocks were mostly not functioning. Right. Uh, it just bounced down the road a lot. But I've had this thing up on Facebook Marketplace for a fucking while. I mean, a while. And I am so sick of dealing with young men. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell, man. Uh, Did you get any um, offers with emojis? I got a few of those. <laughs> oh, man. Is, is Are this available? Rabbit, squirt, I don't know, something. <laughs> Trade for weed was one of my most <laughs> yeah, popular ones. Yeah. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> Steve's a scion that he's trying to sell. The guy who wanted to trade tats. Trade tats? Tattoos. Really? Yeah. I'll give you some tats for that bike. Oh, for that car. He's like, he's right. like, he's like oh, I just cleaned the needle. <laughs> oh, man. I said, no, thank you. I mean, really? And the point is, too, you're like, a tattoo is permanence for your whole goddamn life, right? You don't want to get, when a guy's only bartering that he brings to the table, his only chattel is, I have a tattoo gun. Yeah. And I'm willing to fuck you up. And for the rest of your eight, life. And eight hundred dollars worth of fuck you up. And a needle. Yeah. <laughs> Just one. And a needle. So how yeah. much is eight hundred dollars worth of tattoos? I don't know, Sleepy. Well, Sleepy hasn't paid for one. I know, that's the problem. Well, no, I I had to at the end, that's why I stopped getting them. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I no, I always tip my buddies, but I had no idea how much they actually cost. <laughs> like, you know? And then I when I went to get my cat on my leg that one time, it was like six hundred bucks for right. this fucking cat. It's so like there's your big. answer, the fucking okay. cat. Yeah. Right. Okay, so I can get some pussy for about six hundred bucks. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So they so they tell me, right? This man has too many cats. Yeah, get rid <laughs> he has of one more cat. More pussy than he can handle. Uh but the long and short of it is 
finally, the, the, this young fella, this young fella calls me up just before Christmas and, oh, I want this car. I want this car. You got to sell me this car. I'm like, well, look, I, I'm flying tomorrow. Yeah. So this ain't going to happen tonight. The car's in the warehouse. It's got a blanket over it. It's put to bed for the, for the year. Come and talk to me after the holiday. I'll be back on January 5th, whatever. No, no, no. I got to have it. I got to have it. Okay. Do you want me to make sure that nobody else buys this car? Give me a $500 deposit. Oh, really? Yeah, you can give me a $500 deposit right now. Over the phone, credit card, that's fine. And you won't sell it to anybody else. No, it's a deposit. But listen to me carefully. <laughs> For I shall Go to say Judge this. Judy and watch this episode. <laughs> I will say this only once. You will never see that $500 again. So do not give me $500 unless you know you're buying this car. Not after the test ride, not after hostile negotiations. $500 means you are buying this car at this price. I will take your $500 and I will take the listing down and that car is not available to anybody else except for you. I'll be there tomorrow with the money. Okay, cool. He didn't show up the next day. Go figure. Go figure. All right. I blow him off. He blew me off, right? Well, that's when you're, you're now no longer here, right? Uh, I was that one day. That was, that, that was the day I was getting ready to go. Okay. He says, I'm leaving Canton now. I'll be there in an hour with my money. I said, well, you have a problem because we closed the shop at six. You're cutting it too tight. Oh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. He wasn't there. Okay. So it took him two days later. He shows up at the shop and gives Renee credit card for $500. Fine. She gives him a receipt. Life's good. On we go. I get back into town the other day, you know, Wednesday. Kid calls me. Hey, 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 when can we get together and get that car? Oh, I'm here. As soon as you bring the rest of your green dollars. Right. I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm ready. So weather's kind of shit. It is a convertible. It is black. It, it should never see the salt in its life. Mm. Do you want me driving this car from the warehouse back to my shop? And do you want to drive the car back to Canton in the salt and shit? Or would you rather have it for a while? Right? Oh, no, no. It's so I, I go get car. Kid no show him with money. <laughs> Kid call. Hey, man. You got to give me my money back. What? What? Yeah, I'm not buying that car. I found a better car for less money. No. Yeah. I'm going to remind you about the three times you've stood me up. You're not getting your money back. I just made 500 bucks. No, you have to give me my money back. That was a deposit. Yes, it was. Let me, talk, let me tell you about Judge Milan. I'm going to send you over a link to the people's court. Watch it. I'm the guy who wins. And he goes... Well, I'm calling the cops. I said, thank you. You do that. Click. Renee's like, what the hell? And I went, he's going to call the cops. And I said, he'll call back in 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes later, he calls back. Okay, so what if you give me half my money back? I said, well, I was just waiting for the cops to show up. 
And he goes, they said, I, you gotta, they said I gotta take you to small claims court. I said, yeah, that's that's right. That, that, that sounds like sound legal advice. Sounds like the link I just sent you. Right, dude. and I was like, check your email. Yeah. And I'm like, so you're gonna go to the Better Business Bureau, you're gonna go to the AG's office, you're gonna go to count the small claims court, and at small claims court, that's when people's court is gonna pick up, that's where they get their cases. Yeah. And if you're lucky, we'll go on people's court, I'll keep my $500, I'll get another $750 for winning, and you'll get five hundred for being on the show. It's like you got your money back, and everybody's happy. <laughs> and if you have ever wanted to be on TV, you will be. No, you're getting me my money back. No, I don't. Well, I don't want the car. Cool, great. I'll the, put it back up for sale. I said that's <laughs> cool. I can list it just as easily as I unlisted it. Yeah. That ain't that ain't the way to run a business. Oh, it absolutely fucking tootly is. I said, says the guy who's right. And I was like, I, I mean, Phil, you've only been doing this for a week. So wait, so wait, so no, but so just okay, just look at it monetarily though. Mm -hmm. So initial call, talking to the kid, right. not showing up three times, making right. you wait. Obviously, like if he was going to show up and you're going to give him a car, yeah, you're not just holding the door open. You have paperwork to do and all this other exactly. shit. Exactly. Renee was there, her hourly way or, or salary wage or whatever. You put all that together, you didn't get anything. Like you got yeah. 20 bucks. Right. So, well, what the hell? And he goes, okay, well, how about this? How about you give me the car for $500 off? And I went, I haven't said to fuck your hat because it's been off season. <laughs> <laughs> but you... He likes to negotiate. You need <laughs> to... Is... You need to get some exquisitely fuckable headgear because you are not getting a nickel of this back and the fact that you're trying to negotiate in a car you still haven't sat in yet okay I'm going to come tomorrow great he shows up today today this morning the car is there the car runs the car is fine Renee vacuumed it it's beautiful the kid shows up and he's like well we're going to go I don't have the money on me Okay, guys, pro-negotiator here. Don't open with I don't have the money on me. <laughs> the kid at Mid-Ohio negotiated better than this guy. Do not open with <laughs> I don't have the money on me. You will get nowhere. So I said, well, here's what we're going to do then. I'm going to show you the car. I'm going to answer any questions you have. And since you've stood me up three, four times and threatened to call the police on me, I will then give you until close of business today, six o'clock, to show back up with the cash. Well, I, I can't get you all the cash. I can get you a check for half of it. <laughs> nope. 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 I said, that's how your 500 became my 500, is you not understanding the rules and playing by the rules. Well, the girl told me that I could get my deposit back. Ooh, don't do that. Don't do that. That woman who's been running this business for 20 goddamn years and is a trained professional does not need to put up with your monkey ass for one second. Your dumb shit, no skills having bullshit. How do you put it in reverse? Uh, what? How do you put it in reverse? Do you have to push it down to put it in reverse? Do you drive stick? No, I've never had a stick. Do you drive stick? No, this is my first one. 
now you're definitely not getting a test ride. <laughs> okay. Well, no, let's just, let, I'm, I'm just going to just start it up for me. I don't think I want to. Well, no, please, just start it up. Nah, you fucked me over too many times. <laughs> I can't believe you drove all the way from Canton to fuck me over again. But I've been, the car's here, been a giant pain in my ass, pulled it out of storage, the whole thing. You know what? Mm. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Pop the hood. Oh, man, all the fluids are perfect. Everything's right where it should be. Yeah, I, I, I showed up prepared to sell a car. One of us did. I mean, the engine's right there. <laughs> I, I said, yeah, that's, that's where all the things are. Well, you didn't put enough pictures in your ad. That, that was the problem. <laughs> I know, it's right? Like, it's <laughs> possible. He he, pull that up for the folks at home. Oh, no. He obviously had no idea what he was getting right. into. There's also two videos, one this, of the car right. driving and another video of just the top going up and down. Right? Right. There's right. oil in the oil pan. Right. There's transmission. Yeah. Okay, so here we are. Hey, look at the, the so windshield washer. Him and, his fucking, him and his buddy are around back, and he goes, can you turn it on for me? I want to make sure it doesn't <laughs> rattle on startup. Oh, God. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah whatever hey man can you, you know I hear the video in the bathroom but Jeff talking on the last thing whatever okay and so they're back there and I just went oh fuck you guys they're standing right behind us like rev limiter times three <laughs> and uh I, I was like is that good enough for you there tiger oh yeah that sounds, it sounds really good it sounds great yeah yeah um you know can I can I lay underneath it and look at it you can do whatever you want. How about, how about I drive over Put the your end? fucking head under right. the rear tire yeah. <laughs> while I'm sitting yeah, in it and under. see what the fuck happens. So he's pulling the carpet out of the trunk. Oh, God. He's pulling the carpet out. I heard the, I heard the shock mounts on these go bad all the time. He's looking at the, McFe- like the front suspension mounts and everything, which, by the way, they're all right there. You can see all of them. Oh, yeah. And also, any of you that have seen this car know that it's, there ain't a fucking fleck of rust anywhere on this son of a bitch. It's got its occasional ding and dent, but it's never, never been rusty. Okay. All right. Um, can you take me out for a ride? Well, you're 500 into it. I suppose I can. And, I, and he goes, what? And I said, yeah, you're 500 into it. I can give you a ride. I thought you were going to say, I need another 500. I, I took this kid on, oh. the, on the hero ride around the neighborhood, oh, yeah, put no. him up on the freeway at 125 miles an hour, <laughs> told him, hold on, we're going to do a brake check and I'll show you how stop it, how it straight stops perfectly straight, ABS, whatever. And I, I'm like, so, and he, I, I said, are you ready? And he goes, yeah. And I just fucking stabbed it. And his face came this close <laughs> to the windshield. Thank God for BMW pretensioners in the belts oh, yeah. on the convertibles. Because I heard it actually pretension. I've never heard a belt thing pretension before. <laughs> it's kind of noisy, but it got him. And uh, we went, circled by on the airport, came back up, brought it back. And his friend was still hanging out. You know, Mr. Dirty Pants was talking to, Renee, and we go in, and he's like, and the guy's like, well, was the car good? And he goes, oh, shit, oh, shit, that car's fucking great. Oh, my God. And I was like, all right, so now that negotiating you were going to talk about. Yep. And he goes, yeah, um, okay. I said, no, 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 you're not leaving again. We've done this already. He stays here. You go get money. And he went, what? And I went, yeah, yeah, you fucked me over too many times. Your buddy stays here. You go get the money. <laughs> and he goes, well, I have to go to Canton. <laughs> oh, God. For podcast listeners, that's 45 minutes to an hour away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I said, then your buddy's going to be here for two fucking hours. <laughs> right? And he goes, 
really? And I said, yeah. I said, you've dicked me over on this so many times. Your buddy stays here. So he left his friend as an additional deposit. (laughs) (laughs) He's collateral. (laughs) Now, I don't know what I'm going to do with the young man. (laughs) I have no idea what I'm going to do with a 19 to 20-year-old under-motivated teenage or young boy. He can clean things. He can clean things. (laughs) I fucking... So I told him, I'm like, so, you know, we close at six. And I'm locking them up if it's after right. six. Right. Yeah, we got, we got kryptonite I have no, I have really no idea where I'm going with this. <laughs> he hauled ass. He took off in his little Kia, launched out of there. But wait, what? Rematerialized two and a half hours later with 19 different denominations of currency <laughs> that put together made $6,000. But what, yeah. what, what? What's the explanation of why dude didn't bring the money? Like, I get, like, okay, I don't yeah. have the money, and his buddy has it. Or you put it in the back of the car, hey, I got to go, get, and you drive you, down the road. He was just going to fuck with <laughs> Phil for oh, another yeah. thing and draw yeah, it out I of the bar. I mean, I mean like, to be honestly, if I was going to scare some poo out of somebody, that would be the car to do it with. Right, yeah. And I was not joking when I told him, I'm, I'm going to keep your friend. Yeah. Uh, but he did show back up, and it turns out I finally found the right leverage in this deal where people are like, you know, well, he's going to keep my deposit anyway. I might as well just string him along for a while or whatever. <laughs> so you knew he was losing his deposit. He didn't think he'd lose his friend. And we, uh, the term white slavery is kind of in misused, right? Uh, but he did come back and he came back with the money and we did all that stuff. And Renee was just like, Renee's out taping the temporary tag on the thing and the whole deal. They want to have a 17-point instruction on how to use the convertible top. And I'm like, dude, it is 26 degrees out, the convertible top. Who's going to drive it home? Well, he did, John. Here's the fun story. What? If we would have had cathedral or stadium seating, I would have invited you all over. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know that my driveway goes down a very steep apron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Into cross traffic, which is now the heart of rush hour. It's unforgiving. And it is vicious cross traffic. Oh, yeah. And you're negotiating with Dunkin' Donuts where people will break check from 70 miles an hour to get a fucking latte. Absolutely. And also score you in the summer. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And he's never driven a stick. And he's never never driven driven a stick. stick. Fuck, yeah. I have to fight with that. Does he have the concept of a stick at all? So his friend is driving home the beat to shit P71 Crown Vic. Wow. That is 80% body work there. In pat- the 20% is long gone. Okay. He gets into this thing, starts it up. Great. No problem. I was expecting that. Goes to pull forward, stalls it within three feet. Not surprising at any point. Oh, the, oh, the Crown in- Vic? No, 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 no. no, no, no. The, oh, the, the buddy's Vic, in the Crown Vic. Oh, okay. God, okay. For, God yeah. you should have warned me. I would have moved my Honda. <laughs> <laughs> stalls it twice more before he gets to the end of my driveway. He was pointed towards traffic. Crown Vic guy goes, I better block traffic or this guy's never getting out. So he three quarters the Crown Vic into lanes one and two. Dude, I see the exhaust coming out of the back of the BMW at extreme levels. <laughs> and I'm like, Renee, this is going to be great. Yeah, because he's, <laughs> he's going to launch it. He launches it about nine feet. Full brake checks it, oh foot nowhere near the clutch, oh stalls, the, stalls the car like full shutter, and I watch the wheels skid a foot and a half. Oh. Hard locks it, and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> now, BMWs are tricky, so I don't know if you've ever owned a BMW car. 
the key works one time. Yeah. And then if you have to start it again, you have to totally back the key all the way off and yeah. go at it again. Otherwise, the key will just spin. So the key gives you one start, and then if you need to hit it again, you have to back the key all the way off, like 180 degrees, and then you can go at it again. Most cars, you give it another quarter click, and you can click it 100 times. Yeah. Not a BMW. One and done, and then reset the key, which the kid doesn't know about. So now he's got all of Lorraine Road's blocked <laughs> eastbound completely, and you know how people are so patient? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, I thought... It was a, a horn test off and this kid's panic level goes higher and higher and higher. Oh God. He left six feet of posi marks. He shat it and got it. Wow. He just dumped the clutch and gave it all the beans and thank God automatic traction control exists oh, yeah. back in year of our Lord, 1995 or whatever in that car, because he just made 11s. His first set of 11s is in his life ever. He's never owned anything with a motor or a transmission in it. He left 11s is his. Have you confirmed that dude made it to Copley? He did. Ah, okay. Because I got five phone calls in a row that I swear to God, Renee's like, butt dial, butt dial, butt dial. He's in a ditch. <laughs> He's in a ditch. Yeah, These are emergency. I'm, I'm, this is the last number I, I dialed. On, I am on my way out the door and the phone is ringing. And it's ringing <laughs> relentlessly. Re-fucking-lentlessly. And he goes, he goes, how do you get the keys out? And I'm like, oh, there's a button for that. Okay. Um, all right. Um, when, do, when do I get a title? I'm like, man, you got all the wrong questions at the wrong time. I'm like, the next time you buy a car from anybody, think about every question you could ever ask. Do that yeah. before you ever say a word about money yeah. or pricing. The fact that this kid asked for a, di a discount. He asked me if he could get a $500 discount after telling me he was going to call the cops on me for keeping his deposit. And he thought that was really clever. Like the deposit was going to get kept as the discount. Ah, I get it. Okay. Either I'm crying for the youth of today because they're going to be taking care of my diapers in 20 years, right? Uh, or we need to train these young fellas. Oh, he didn't even understand that if he actually bought the car, then it was just a deposit. Right. You weren't just trying to sice him for the money. Right. Oh, my God. That's fucking hilarious. The kid? The kid you should have just said, okay, you can have it for an additional $5,500. <laughs> yeah. Or what were you asking for? It? Six, grand. Six grand. Oh, you can have... Six grand. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'll take your 500 deposit <laughs> off the value of the off the price of the vehicle. Yeah. So it's yours for six grand. It's yours. Yeah. There's so your there's your $500 that, discount. That kid at Mid Ohio had a much better game than this guy. Believe me, this situation today makes me extraordinarily upset that I have like 21 Japanese domestic vehicles in my world still, you know, weird shit that has four wheels that I still have to sell. Right. Because I have to go through this 21 more times. Yes. Yeah. It's that way of selling anything. I mean, you put an ad for anything for sale on any right. sort of like oh, I, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace. I, I, have a, I have a 1973 Plymouth Valiant four-door in New Orleans I have literally tried to give away for two years. Like Kelly free. Blue Book value, negative seven. Like free. I have yeah. tried, free with extra motor. Nobody will take no. it. So I finally decided, look, I'm going to have to either put this thing on Marketplace or, and I thought about it for about two seconds and I went, I can just give the motherfucker to NPR. And I went, <sighs> NPR it is. Oh, that's great. 
Because I am not... Harris and I have, have literally sat around and gone, I would rather set shit on fire. That is actually brilliant. <laughs> Giving the vehicle away... Has anybody else donated a car to charity? Oh, yeah. How did it work? Well, in the day, right. you used to be able to kind of write your own receipt for what yeah. you claim the vehicle was worth. Yeah. Now, okay. you get whatever it sells for. You get the tax, and I, they, tax value they told out me, of it. They, they literally messaged me back and they're like, look, we're going to send this thing straight to auction. I said, look, I don't care. Right. You can send it wherever the hell As long as want. you send it out of my driveway. As long as it is no yeah. longer in my warehouse in New Orleans, it's going to be demolished. Right. I don't care. I just I don't want it to be in there when it gets demoed. Right. But if you send it to somebody and they send it to Copart after I sell, I give it to you. Right. I don't care. Right. <laughs> it's not as lucrative as it used to be. Okay. Right. Because like, it was like, Which what do they call fair. that? Sisters of the Wayside or something? Well, yeah. I donated a. Fiat 128, which may or may not have been running at the time, uh-huh. to the Jewish Federation for the Blind. What? <laughs> Are you fucking... They don't drive. <laughs> they don't drive. Well, they, yeah. they, they just drive that kind of car. <laughs> there's, there's a reason they why... They just sit in it and just fucking reason, rip it up. There's a reason why drive-up ATMs have Braille on the others. Uh, apparently, they fundraise. I and get it. That's what it is. It's yeah. a fundraiser for them. Yeah. And... Um, they, when I told them what kind of car it was, they said, it's going to cost us more to send a tow truck to pick the car yep. up right. than it yeah. is for the value that we will get for said vehicle, because yeah. it's just going to be scrap value. Yeah. yeah. Um, I said, well, what if I get the car to your scrapyard? Uh, because I'm a member of a roadside assistance program that goes by three letters. That, um, you may have heard of it. Yes. <laughs> populate the front of the alphabet. Right. <laughs> now, now, I'm not saying that this was within their rules, this... <laughs> hypothetical organization right but i did call them and they they came and they got the car right and uh they 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 towed it all the way to new philadelphia what which was that's the this jewish federation for the blind was based out of new york city they deal with scrapyards all over the country well that was the one they were contracting with and uh, this this is going back 25 years, so I think the statute of limitations. You're probably okay, yeah, but yeah. for podcast listeners, New Philadelphia is uh, outside well, of nope. the. Oh. This organization will tell you up to 100 miles for free if you buy their premium service. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, and New Philadelphia, I can tell you, is 98.5 miles <laughs> <laughs> away. <laughs> now listen, tow truck driver, you got to stay off the freeway because that's going to put me over the 100 mile limit. Yeah, so it was quite an adventure. But that's cool that it, it got done. Yeah. It and it did. got removed from your yard. Yep. That's pretty cool. And, my, what, and that Saturn we, that I got, the neighbors were going to donate it to NPR. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, the I fuck you are. I don't remember what the receipt was. <laughs> so oh, I, but I, you're you're going to donate it to JWM. Tax write John yeah. William McElfresh. A reduction I, I, in income. I literally have tried to get, I have given this to three different Hold people. On. There's like 37 conversations going on. Okay, yeah. but there's a really good one happening over there. Okay, yeah. What is going on over there? Bring us up to speed on that. Well, I, I said, so uh, what'd you get for it? And he said, whatever, 1250 is a tax write-off. I said, well, actually, it's not a tax write-off. It's a reduction in income. Yes. So you save the tax value of the 1250 or whatever it happens mm -hmm. to be. Yes. So, so 20 to 30%. Yeah, whatever your brand. And if they gave you a blank receipt that you could fill in what you felt the car was. Thank you. And if you're yeah, if you're absolutely. battling against a standardized deduction of fifteen hundred dollars a year to charitable contrib contributions, you're not gonna, you're not going to max it out unless so you have receipts for other shit. Th right. And that was part of the conversation I had with my neighbors. I'm right. like, you're not getting any no. money for the car. You're not no. getting any money. For the tax write off that you get is right. not well. It's helping. I'm like, yeah, help me. 
Right. Yeah. That's in the deal. In fact, I'll yeah. give you $500 to cover the new catalytic converters yeah. and starter and all the stuff you that just you put, put into, into it. Yeah. Right. And you'll get the satisfaction. Although he did at one point say, I don't want to give it to you. And then it, it turns out and you drive it for like the next 10 years and I feel bad that I gave you a good car. Well, that's I'm like, why on right. earth would you feel bad about right. giving me a good car exactly. after all the help that I've given because you? Because it proves how stupid I am and my inability to maintain and operate cool shit. Like, I helped you put the starter. I kept right. this thing alive. I've, yeah. I've helped you 20,000 times. Right. Give me the fucking car. Give me the fucking car, man. Oh, Don't be a prick. I mean, if I could figure out how to get it up here, it would rot in this driveway for the next at least five years. Landlord could call and get that shit. Landlord would be a little disappeared. <laughs> Apparently, I know two organizations now that'll make it go See? away. And unlike other people, I do I, have a tax I, that I need to write down. I, yeah, I figure I've right. listened to NPR enough in my life, and yeah. especially because this car talk—it's the whole car talk. We'll donate your car, yada, yada. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll just do that because I am tired of giving it to people and them going, "Nah, you know what? No." Mm-mm. Well, John's trying to sell a Scion. Yeah. For is it eight hundred dollars? Eight hundred dollars. Okay. The fail rate's pretty high on this. Oh my God. How many contestants have you had? Well, I mean, initial it was only listed for maybe an hour and a half. Okay. I had no my phone was going ping. Yeah. It, it yep. never stops. Ping. Mm-hmm. Ping. <laughs> like yep. I'm like, uh. So I, I I quickly switched it to pending. Yes. Meaning I had a deal going. Right. I started deleting all the... Everybody. Is it available? Is it available? Oh, yeah. And then, oh, can you send more pictures? No. No. I can't. I'm deleting mm-hmm. you. I don't even want to talk to you. I, I, or I did have about at least six to ten people who were like, I can come there with cash right now. Mm-hmm. What's the address? So those were the keepers. Yep. yep. And those, I sent Steve's phone number. I'm like, contact, call this number, make arrangements. Because he's got to deal with a little something, you know. Yeah, I mean? we, he, he, and he's right. flighty about when he's going to be. Uh, well, I got to go see my, you know. So like, they have to make that arrangement with him. Oh my god! You know, I just thought about this. I was I was around for like one or two sales a couple summers ago with yeah. this BMW or something, yeah, yeah. right? So when you have Steve, who's really quirky and interesting, yeah, selling really interesting, weird, quirky bikes. You get weird, quirky buyers, yes. and then that interaction is fucking amazing, dude. Get a weird, quirky <laughs> vortex. Well, you know, the next thing you know, I got Steve sitting there. He's drawing up a list of all the things that are wrong with the car, right. and he wants to have the person sign it to say that he told them because he doesn't want any liability. I'm like, you just all you have to do is say, as, it, as is where as is. is where and is. it's almost implied these days, but just say, it's hey, implied, you're buying it's a the, law in the state of Ohio. It's, it's, in the state of Ohio, if you are buying or selling a vehicle, and I guarantee if you live in a state in the united states you have a law that sounds a lot like this because we stole it from new york and a lot of people steal laws from new york any used property is as is where is unless explicitly implied in writing to the contrary so i i run into this at the dealership way too much way way too much you said you'd do this no you heard It'd be nice if I did that. But I never said that. When Steve is doing the whole, it's got this, it's got this, it's got this, it's got that, it's got this. He's very nice. He's being. And that's fine. Way too generous. But he's also creating his own liability that an unhappy buyer will come back on later on. Well, in his mind, and and maybe maybe he's just trying to disclose anything that he knows about it. So you can't come back and say, 
Oh, dude, this thing has a, a, a light on. Well, I know. I told you that it has the yeah. traction control light on. I told yeah. you this. I, I told you everything I knew about it. If there's something more, it's not my fault. Right. Which I don't get, you know. But he's like trying to be like, where are those light bulbs? I had the light bulbs. There's just, I mean, the two guys who showed up, and I don't want to, you know, I, I probably am guilty of profiling them a little bit. But when Good they, cop, bad cop? When they showed up, I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. here we go. Here we go. And it was very much a good cop. He was the good cop. Right. And I was the bad I came out, and I, I had my work gloves on. And yeah. I'm like, okay, look at these two. Let's right. see how this goes down. Yep. And, you know, they started talking about it, and Steve's like, oh, no, 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 no. And I'm like, I'm like, it's an $800 car. Right. It's yes. worth every penny of it. You guys, you're yeah. stupid if you don't buy this. Yes. Right. You know, so I, and then it got, it turned into, uh, the, then they started like, then the guy tried to check the oil while it was running oh we have a problem here and i'm not trying i'm trying not to use a dialect i'm trying not to use a dialect but so for you playing the home game never ever check the oil with the engine running i'm like i'm like i I looked at him like you can't check the oil with the engine running you don't do that put that back in right like you know he's like so then at one point he got in the car they had taken for a drive he pulled in and they were like "Mm, they were kibitzing about this and whatever right and, uh, and I'm like, dude, it's $800 car. What yeah. do you want for it? I'm like, for, for $800, I think they can deal with a turn single. They could deal with a, a light bulb out. They can deal with the problems. And the guy's like, well, well, what's the problem? What's with the bad attitude? Is this your car? You, you know, I'm like, it's his car. <laughs> right. Whatever. You know what? You two talk. Because he had a friend and a friend. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, I think the friend was trying to negotiate for the guy who was actually buying it. So we had, it was a oh, yeah. dual intermediary situation. I mean, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah so then I'm like, you know what? I'll be quiet if he be if he. You know what? I'll shut up if he shuts up. Oh, you I, gave uh, a sub negotiation. I'm like, let these two talk and you know whatever. <laughs> Wait, can so, so I, then they go back and forth, and the, the one guy goes, "How about how about will you? I have cash. Will you take five hundred dollars?" And I'm like, "No way!" <laughs> and then Steve's like, "No, no, I can't do that." And it goes, and they ended up fucking off. Right. I'm like, so you and and in my ad it says, and I guess I should have said like take it or leave it or whatever. Right. I said at eight hundred at at the at this price, right. I'm not really accepting offers. And is it missing windows? No, it's, is it, it smell it, like run, dog it's, poop? it's running drivable, and it can most or importantly, it can pass the, the Ohio e check. And it's a Scion. Yeah, it's a Scion, which means you can have, put on a hamster suit and right. drive it and look super fun. It has one hundred thirty thousand miles on it. Right, is it has it, a lot of rust underneath. Who knows? It, it might break apart tomorrow. <laughs> it might last three years. Who knows? I have a question for the group. It has become clear in, ah, this isn't the only podcast I don't listen to, uh, but there are others. This isn't the only podcast I don't listen to either. Here's my question. Is there a place for a professional buyer? So, so, so your guy that came out today, my guy that finally came out today, you turn over the reins to this asshole. You say, you know, I'm good at buying cars. And you go out and you get smoked and you realize you're not good at buying cars. You buy a car and it's a disaster. It fails. The motor blows up in 75 miles. You realize you got rooked. Whatever. Is it worth calling Dave, the buying broker, who then goes out on your behalf and says, I'm going to ask the right questions. I'm going to negotiate the right way. I'm going to get you a better price on the car, maybe, or I'm going to make sure that we're filtering out all the bad cars. A bird dogger. One word. Yeah. Carvana. 
Carvana. Oh, buyers, brokers for stupid people. Right. I that's that's a situation where people just say, I don't want to deal with any of that. Right. I don't care how much the car. I don't. I just. So it's proof that it works. Just. It's just. I, I hit pay. I pay it. It gets dropped off in yeah. my driveway. I'll deal with the consequences. I, but think about it though. Think about it for what. Here's what you're missing on that point though. For us, yeah, it doesn't make sense to do that. If you're like a 20 year old girl who didn't have a dad and like mom moved to a different city, are you going to go to some fucking dude's house to try to buy a six thousand dollar fucking used car? I I have had so on the same exactly what you've just said. Yes, I have had people tell me for <laughs> or years, I'm gonna I'm gonna find me or I'm gonna find some dude to go with me exactly. and I'm gonna go do that. I have I have been told for years that that <laughs> is exactly what I should be. Should what be doing. dude that age? So you're have. you're in Phil's camp. You're arguing for the buyer broker. Yeah. There should be a buyer broker. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. Chris, you, you go first. I'd say on a used car level, mm-hmm. bring your Uncle Phil with you. Oh, yeah. Or your Uncle Joe or whoever yeah, right. you got. Right. Somebody that knows cars, someone that knows how. Uh, there's there's, there's, a 11, there's 11 of us left <laughs> yeah. in North America. There's less and less of them every day. I would never Six of them are right here. Yeah, right. Getting sure. in the middle of someone else's deal. For right. the fact that if the car turns out to be a piece of You're shit, You're on the hook. Then yeah. whomever hired you to do mm-hmm. the vetting of the vehicle is going to say, hey, he told me this was a decent car. Right. And you can't foresee you everything. Can't foresee. I, I would stay out of the vetting of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be test driving the vehicle. I wouldn't say anything about the vehicle. That's all on them. Mm-hmm. It's only being itinerant about the type of deal that you get and the stuff like mm-hmm. that. I okay. Think. I mean, because a negotiator. Anybody, if there's going to be a vetting of a vehicle, then the vehicle has to go to a shop. That's, That's where this is okay. true. Good, Chris? good. So in the two examples that we've heard, the buyers are, for lack of a better word, cheap pieces of shit. Yeah. So you got to pay the, your negotiator right. a premium yeah. to do this on your behalf, and those are not the customers that no, are going to whip not. out an extra 500 bucks out of their pocket yeah. to go out and negotiate. So I don't think there's a big enough market right. to have a business for people that actually say, I don't give a shit about 500 mm-hmm. bucks. Let me, let me give you the 500 bucks to make sure that I don't get burned on a $10,000 vehicle. That's a good investment. That's a good investment. But there's not that many people out there. No, so there aren't. I would say it's not a good business model. No. no. And we've had people at the shop completely, I mean, give us a call. You don't know me. I'm in Arkansas. There's a bike three miles from your shop that I want to buy, the guy's going to bring it by your shop. What do you guys charge for a safety inspection? Charge one hour of labor. I would like you to pay special attention to these issues before I have it picked up by a shipping agent or whatever to bring it, send it to me in Arkansas. And that's a conscientious buyer. It is. Versus the kid that called you up. Exactly. And entered into a deal blindly Mm -hmm. without seeing the car and then tries to negotiate after yeah. he's already committed. Retroactive negotiation is not a good place to be. Where, what, do you, what, what price point do you think separates buyers? Like at what uh, point does those kids stop showing up and do that? Yeah. So like, the particular motorcycle in question that we had bird dogged was a bike that's only about a $6,000 bike. Okay? okay. It's only about a $6,000 bike. But the buyer was just like, yeah, I've been burned before. And for the 150 bucks or 125 bucks. I'll have the guy bring the bike to your shop. And honestly, it's a great way to feel the fiber of the, se- the seller because the seller's reluctant to take it to a shop. Right. Well, that might have just saved you a whole lot of pain in the dick, yeah. right? 
Um, other states, states we're not in right now, have motorcycle inspections every year or every other year. And that's an interesting thing because the guy could say, well, I just had my inspection eight months ago or whatever. That's a pretty cool thing. You have a lot of buyers confident when you're dealing with somebody like that. It just sounds like more money. Yeah. Yeah. More money that you got to give the government though every year. Some states do it almost for free. Oh, okay. Yeah. Some states do it almost for free. The, uh, the benefit for the shop doing the service is that they go, Hmm, you need retired. You need a chain. Yeah. And every time we've ever done a safety, we've never said, oh, this bike is a 100-point excellent bike. No. It's just never happened. There is there is no used bike being sold right now that's going to be 100 points. No, no, not and at that's, all. that's just because if you're going to get down to every little tiny thing. Yeah. You haven't your seen brakes are triumph. Three, your brakes are three-quarter percent. <laughs> well, your rear tire but, has changed. Your chain doesn't have lube on it. Mm-hmm. But now on the seller's angle... Now, we're all sitting here, and every single one of us has got a story about a fucked-up marketplace experience. Yeah. I'm wa- I, 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 I will put this back out to the podcast group. <laughs> Is there anybody out there that knows a place to sell cars or motorcycles that isn't Facebook Marketplace? Don't tell me Craigslist. It's dead. I visited it again at the cemetery last week. Yep. I gave them. Now you have to pay them money. Yeah. To vet out all the fucking idiots. Yeah. So I put the $5 down and I relisted this car and some motorcycles and some other shit on Craigslist. I have had squatoosh, as Chris would say, for people following up on my Craigslist postings. Hun- hundreds of marketings, markets I'm putting them into. They're not getting anything back. Facebook Marketplace, I'm getting oceans of traffic back but the quality is almost 0%. Have it's you, as close to 0% as I can get. I know you probably do this, but yeah. like like with my guitar stuff and yeah. all the things, if you go to specific forums a lot of times, yep. they're classified. Yep. Because then you're already dealing with people that are into whatever you're selling. Absolutely. And they're used to like, they're, they're like if, you're, if you're offering at a fair price, yep. they know exactly like where your price is compared to the market. I mean, I've had really good fun but luck selling stuff. That's an that. extra step. And if you're just, if like Phil, you you're selling a hundred vehicles at a time. It's almost worth it for market for Facebook in the next couple of years. So if anybody from Facebook's listening, to actually go ahead and say, hey, look, there are these twenty-seven different classified group, Facebook groups. Would you like to list it there too? Mm-hmm. It does. Every I, time I list something, it says, "Would you also consider these?" Because these yeah. are suggestions we make for you. Though it was effective mm-hmm. when I wrote my ad for Marketplace mm-hmm. to say. Please only contact me if you're interested in coming to look at this bike and buy it. Right. And you have the asking amount. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and probably throwing in there, do not ask me if it's available. I, there are about 20 things I'd love to sell right now. And you know what? I'd rather light myself on fire and or them. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, spending the amount of time that I spent to sell that, the people that, uh, you know, the people that I've had to entertain, the yeah. conversations I've had to go into, um, it's there's weird people out there, but uh, just in general, but there is not the seller's forum because we used to we used to use uh, Cycle Trader, oh, yeah. Trader Online, yep. and everything else. Good luck, it doesn't fucking work. Um, you, I've done it as a civilian. I've listed as a civilian. I've listed as a dealer. The dealer listings, it's a hundred and twenty bikes was my package level. That's the smallest package level I could be in. Okay. Um, under you know the hundred bike range, that's four thousand dollars a month. Hi. You want to play on Cycle Trader? You want to have your 
your stuff listed on Cycle Trader as a dealership, you want to list under a hundred bikes, you're going to be paying three to four thousand dollars a month for that. Which and, is crazy because I would always just skip all the dealers and just look for the individual sellers. <laughs> and I go to a lot of trouble to camouflage myself as an individual seller and right, not yeah. a dealer. Yeah. But they are very good at catching you if you're trying to sell it as an individual seller. And in fact, now with the way Cycle Traders set up, if you ask for, I would like to know about a, a Honda F6B, I'm looking for a yellow Honda F6B, and I put that in my search block at the top within 300 miles of Cleveland, the top 100 things it gives me are not Hondas, they're not F6Bs, and they're not right. near fucking Cleveland. Yep. They're the dealer in um, Cincinnati who is at the Cycle World or Cycle Trader Premier level. Sponsored. Sponsored. So that anytime anybody types anything in, his content comes up within a thousand miles of where you are. Yep. So, but the thing is, they've invited so many people and so many dealerships are willing to pay that money that you will have to scroll through six or seven pages oh, yeah. to get down to where your motorcycle that you asked for specifically by year, make, model, and description actually starts happening. Yeah, and you can tell. I mean, like, it gets so pathetic. I'm sure a lot of people that are looking for, like, a, you know, like an R6, don't mm -hmm. make, it doesn't make sense. They just see whatever. Right. But when you're looking for some of the shit that we look up, yeah. there's literally, like, oh, one. Yeah. yeah. But it takes four pages to of get scrolling to, the one. to get to the one fucking bike. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. tap out before I get there. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like, exactly. F you. And I told yeah. my rep from Trader Online, I told my rep, this is what every single consumer tells me. I tap out before I get to the bike. No, no, that's not true. Our pro, our retention uh -huh. studies and I said, look, man, let's pick a bike. Let's pick a fucking weird bike. Rocon Trailbreaker. Go ahead, put Rocon Trailbreaker into the search bar at the top, right? Put in thousand mile radius, go ahead, and we'll do it together. You in your office, wherever the fuck you are, me here. Let's do it at the same time. Let's see how many ads we have to go through to get to a Rocon Trailbreaker. You are not kidding. Six fucking pages to get to one Rocon Trailbreaker right. that existed on the forum, on that platform. And I'm like, so that's why it's an ineffective system. Nobody wants to do that. So right now, buying and selling motorcycles, selling motorcycles is a giant bite in the dick right now. We used to have at least eBay was th something that went and people looked at and they yep. participated in eBay. Nobody does eBay anymore. That's because eBay got greedy. I remember I sold a, I was selling a lot of drone shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was like 5%, 3% mm -hmm. or whatever. Yep. And then if it was anything over $100, right. it was less or 1000 was less. Yeah. Flat rate. Yep. Cars at a flat rate. Well, yep. I hadn't sold shit in a couple of years and I had yep. a few giant drones left. And I sold one for like 6800 bucks. Right. And all of a sudden, I, I find out I'm getting 4900 of Like They took like in, like 20% of the fucking sale now. Yep. It's insane. And plus, they, they'll also hold the money in an escrow. Oh, yeah. In case the person buying it feels like they were mistreated in some way. Oh, yeah. Yep. Big, big tip. Everyone does. Uh, if this was less than I expected. So then eBay is going to contact you and say, on behalf of the customer, we're going to reduce your take on this by about $2,000. And that's where your friend from Canton yep. learned his negotiating exactly. technique. Exactly. Right. Uh, oh, I'm not happy. I'm not know. happy. I want my money back. Yeah. I want some money back. I'm like, yeah, all right. When when eBay started taking money back because the customer was the customer filed a complaint. Right. Yeah. I had a guy. I sold. I found an aluminum Christmas tree with the pom poms and a bullshit yeah, okay. and the stick in the middle at, at a yard sale, and then I was told I had to get rid of it because it wasn't going to fit the, the motif of the house. All which right. Was okay. Circa Goodwill bullshit. Um. But I was told I had to get rid of it, so I sold it on eBay for a hundred bucks. 
Okay. Shipped it off. Right. It had never been opened. Everything was in its packaging. Yeah. Everything was in its tubes. Right. Oh, I'm unhappy with my purchase. Right. Ship it back. Well, I'm going to open up a complaint and get all of my money back and keep my fucking tree. Mm-hmm. The fuck? Right. And that was the last thing I saw on eBay. So we've now said eBay's not a great place to sell motorcycles. Yeah. Right? Or anything. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm listening. I'm here. If anybody wants to remind me, uh, please, 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 please. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. The uh, do we have any hate mail? I do have hate mail. Well, it's just gonna be about me, so it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> I love, you know what? I to, love hate to mail. To answer your question, and I what cannot, are these packages laying on? To the table? answer, Where well, you... before that, to answer your question, I cannot find a Honda NM4 anywhere on Cycle no, Trader. No, not right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, two you... side notes while I try to get the feeling back in my feet. Okay. I figured out a life hack for the Centurion one piece suit. Fold the legs up. It's much easier to put the shoes on. <laughs> yeah, if you ever put on a full fucking riding suit, um, yeah, take your take your fucking pant legs all the way up before you put on the riding boots, uh, as opposed to having them down and fighting with them. I know it's silly as fuck, but it works. And the other trick I can tell you about putting on boots, uh, especially complicated motorcycle boots, put every part of your gear on first. And put your boots on last the, hey, because Phil. you will sweat your balls off. Phil, the phrase is corset before boots. Corset before boots. It's exactly right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so that's the first thing. Two, new KLRs are heavier, but they feel lighter somehow. Definitely got better than the Generation 2. And I totally agree with that. The new KLRs do feel better and ride better cool. than the old ones do. Um, even though they're heavier, they do actually feel lighter. So that's, that's a very factual fucking deal. Now... Uh, one of our podcast listeners, and I forgot it at the shop. I didn't bring it. Brought us, bought us a gift, and he got us a fire pit for our table. Nice. Wait. Oh, that could be a. Have problem. we talked to the landlord about the what fire was that pit? word you used earlier? Tishdeka. <laughs> 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 oh, the fireworks. It's table fireworks. Um, but yeah, the dude brought us, he sent us, he sent it. I'm going to bring it. I didn't bring it today, but I'm going to bring it. It's gift wrapped and everything. But the motherfucker yep, yep. sent us, he sent us so we could have a fireside chat oh. in the basement. Is it, is it like, how does it work? It's alcohol. Oh, it's one of those. It's one of those. You can toast marshmallows over it. Right, this is not going to be a white, a white, uh, yeah, no, this is not going to be one of those we'll things. It's going to be great. Fire Let's bring some raw meat in. Oh, I oh, like that. No, I got, I got, I got, I'll shoot us. I'll still get all the boot and, oh, and vegetables oh, and some nice vegetables. <laughs> marinated vegetables. Uh, okay. F- Alex Drake, hate mail, hate mail, hate mail. Alex Drake. Um, Patreon supporter taking a shot at me. Yeah. Phil, maybe it was the head cold talking. Uh-huh. Uh, I was pretty unhappy. But it was killing me that you kept saying Himalayan 441. Mm. <laughs> a 441 is not a thing. It's a 411, like the Scram 411. The new Himalayan motor is 452 cc's. <laughs> Pinch your nose closed. Pinch your nose closed. <laughs> I was literally yelling at my phone, but I don't think you could hear me. Ha ha. <laughs> Rev, revel in your victory, Alex. <laughs> you win. You my win. New, my new you got him. has been nothing but Himalayas since I That's because your phone doesn't. I stand by my statement too slow. Uh, too slow. Too cheap. Too slow. Too cheap. Too slow. Too cheap. Too slow. Too cheap. Yeah, you got me. Uh, 
Because you know why I said 441? Because the fucking BSA Victor is a 441. Yeah. And that 441 number is in my brain. In so, 440, 441, whatever yeah. it takes. Whatever it takes. Yeah. So, so all right. All right uh, Johnny Mac, you were talking about Pete's gifts to all of us. Let's do oh, it. Oh, this Let's is from Pete? Right. These are late uh, Christmas presents. Pete. Oh, okay. So I got left out the uh, Christmas Eve uh, podcast. <laughs> is, uh, I don't have a... I, I, it's the crinkle cast. It's the crinkle cast. These are heavy doodly wrapped. Oh goodness! Yeah. Oh wait, and is mine this is going to require a Gerber tool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this uh, is the sound of unwrapping. Yeah. Uh, so oh, 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 oh I'm going to describe Thank you mine so as much. A, I was just at Rural King, <laughs> and I was looking at buying some bulk uh, meat stick. Oh, I got a pickle. <laughs> nice. It's a vegetarian uh, meat stick. But you, yeah. want to, but you want to ride your motorcycle. I'm oh, going I to put Pete's it. meat in yeah. my mouth. Thank this you, Pete. A, oh, yeah. Desert fire hot smoky sticks. Oh, yeah. Fuck that. That stuff's good. Yes, it is. That stuff is good. Can of applesauce? The can of apples? Oh. <laughs> That's crisscross applesauce. That stuff's delicious. I got, I, got, I got some pork chops upstairs. We'll use that. Ooh, I got the big sausage. There you go. I like Dang. that this is completely unlabeled. <laughs> no, that's the same um, from... Sinch, tell me about your pickles. I got, I, I got a dill. Oh, I got the dill. I'm scared to eat mine because it says hot. I got a hot mama. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I got a Van Houten. Oof. A oh, Van Houten? The big papa. <laughs> <laughs> Should hey, I be no, worried that there's right. actually no brand information whatsoever on this oh, really? sausage? Oh, that's a good idea. Those were each dual packs, and they were um, oh, they split were apart. Split so apart. Oh, oh. So that's what you have, is you have the Desert Fire Hot, probably. Ah, that's yeah. from uh, Gold Rush Meats in uh, like down in Lake Harris. The same. They're all the same. Dry it's not that hot. Yeah. Let's try it. Here. You get yours open. Let's see. Here. Anybody want to try an open one? Let's go for it. All right. You know what I know nobody wants to hear is a bunch of Thank men you, Pete. chewing on yeah, meat. Hey, let's have your dill. I kind of like it. Okay. Big Papa and Hot Mama. More, uh, okay. Yeah. Ready for uh, more hate mail? No. All right, here Alrighty. we go. That here asshole we go. Tom? What? Ah, not yet. Okay. <laughs> From Dan Archer Lawrence. Uh, this is the boat guy. These are the, the offshore power boat. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, water separators for boat engines. Uh, must not have notifications for Patreon set up. Now a question. A couple of episodes a couple of episodes ago, you guys covered modern bikes and the lack of support after they reach a certain age. I have avoided tech on my toys because I don't know how to maintain it. My last my latest bike is a 2018 Triumph Tiger XRT. And I knew going into it I would have to travel from my home in Canton, Canton again, uh, for dealer support. When the orange wrench came on for a maintenance interval, I contacted the Triumph dealer, who's an hour north. Yeah, we know he's right down the street from our shop. And after we talked about the issue, they told me to call back in the fall. Oh. In the meantime, I could do any normal maintenance. I checked into an application or tool to plug into the bike myself and was quickly deterred. Yes. It's a bummer because I do love the Triumph triples. Between this experience and your discussion on lacking dealer support, I am curious of what you think is a good brand choice for modern bikes that may lend themselves more to the home mechanic. It is easy enough for a carburetor guy to use one of the OBD tools available online to take care of late model Japanese bikes. Is it easy enough? Is what he's saying. Is it easy enough for uh, a carburetor guy? Now, keep in mind, this guy's offshore offshore power boats. He's not a... 
yeah, idiot, yeah. This is, right? Yeah. This guy's got a lot of experience. Uh, he but he has proper tools. He has tools, right? Um, is it easy enough for a carburetor guy to use the OBD tools available online to take care of late model Japanese bikes? No. <laughs> Fuck. I wish, man. Okay. I mean, we are getting deeper and closer into right to repair. Yeah. This but is, this it's is exactly slow fucking moving. I mean, it's, from a BMW standpoint, the GS911 will literally diagnose every damn thing on a bike. Like, it is it is a godsend. It is God's gift to BMWs, the GS911, but that's not what you've asked. Japanese-wise, you're still dealing with OBD2 at least, and there are a lot of things on the market right now that will tell you almost as much as the GS911 will for a BMW. And I think GS911, they do other brands too. I don't know. Because it's it gets a little weird when you start dealing with software. But like I dealt like the the uh, Piaggio Active One today with that whole thing where I actually had to contact Piaggio and say, hey, look, I can't get this thing to work. What do I do? And they were like, oh, just do this. It's kind of what you're dealing with. Because it's all CAN bus. It's all computer controlled. It is all digging down into the, into the firmware to figure out what sensor's bad. And so you can get some knockoff like like Harris Harris had a thing he sent me a while ago where he can dig down into OBD2 in your Triumph and in your Hondas and Yamahas now too off of eBay because everything's coming out of China it's all dealing with the same can it's still dealing with the same OBD2 the question is whether or not how what software do you use what hardware do you use and that's the thing I haven't run into yet is what what's the best thing out there for it and if you start poking around, you better know a little bit what you're doing. Exactly. You can brick your ECU. Exactly. exactly. This is... That was what I was afraid of with the Active One, because that right. thing is... It's it's not complicated. It's a little tiny car battery that runs a runs a battery controller and a computer controller and, the mo and a hub-driven motor. And I was afraid I was going to brick the damn thing. Oh, no, I... He wants to play bartender. Is <laughs> it, are they just sitting there on that cooler? Where they are just sitting there on the cooler. But but the reality is, and I, I this is kind of a putting it out to the putting it out to our audience is what software right now does OBD you know does the best OBD diagnostics because everything has to be compliant. Everything now has to be. Sold has to be compliant. So to how a certain long? Level. How long has that been true, Tom? Or you, no, it has to be. Anything that ha everything has to be OBD compliant since what 1993. Yeah. So because yeah. OBD one was 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 back in my, back in the my 2000 my Corvette's America, OBD the OBD two port. It's, uh, my it's, scanner shows nothing. On but it still it still has to be OBD compliant. So which software you use determines what information your computer it'll kick back to you. So it, it's all there. It just You just have to have something that can read it. Okay. So the product we have at the shop is called OBD Prog. And I was trying to get the, the number for go. it. And it's called the Moto 100. And you can buy this. You can buy this. Anybody here can buy this. Uh, the downside is it's 500 fucking dollars. Yeah. And that's the problem. What it's going to do is it's going to tell you the shit you already know. That any Home Depot, I'm sorry, Harbor Freight OBD scanner will tell you the scan code that comes back. It's yep. fine. What you do about that, that's entirely up to you. Yep. The biggest thing is that many motorcycles do not use a standard OBD port. Yes. They're they're now today they're because of right to repair. 
Many of the companies now are putting a standard OBD port, even ones companies like Aprilia and Gucci and stuff that for years had their own proprietary dongle that was a pain in the dick. They're all, because of right to repair, they're all having to put uh, put these items in. Now, here is the one thing that I will tell you about using an aftermarket all in wonder, but whatever the term you want to use for it is, um, they're not real fucking granular. Okay. Whereas in some of the, pro- the software kits that we have and some of the uh, diagnostic tools we have, it will literally tell you, you've got this situation, you've got this code, yep. you need to go and do this, 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 and it'll give you a troubleshooting guide actually in the diagnostic tool, because that is a diagnostic tool that not only do you pay for the device a thousand dollars, but you'll pay a thousand dollar to a four thousand dollars a year subscription for that service. And we've used all kinds of different auto. There's auto diagnostic software programs that work out of your laptop and work with a simple cable that go to the device. And you can do subscription based services for these. And even though they're for the automotive industry, they cover a shit ton of motorcycles. And we've had, we have a couple of those that we run at the shop too for the, home gamer for the for the consumer who's trying to do that stuff you have got to weigh do you want to go with like um a down and dirty one is like an ansel it's called an ansel mt700 you can get that i think that those are still around no no those are higher that they've actually gone up those are a thousand bucks a piece this is stuff that to a guy who is thinking about working on a motorcycle in his garage is pretty fucking rare fruit and how many times are you going to use it? I mean, that's the realistic thing is until the orange light comes on, it doesn't matter. With or the, in the case of my Triumph, there is a wrench on my Triumph yep. that I cannot turn off using our devices that we have at the shop that we did spend the money on. And I've contacted our local friendly Triumph dealer and I've said, look, it's been a swell bike, but the swelling's gone down now. I want to sell it. I know it's had the service done because I did it. I need to turn the wrench off. I need to make the little wrenchy light on the dashboard go away. <laughs> How much is it going to cost me to get that done? Oh, minimum charge, hundred minute minimum charge one hour, get it in here. And while what's in here, we'll do something else to it. Well, that's the secret is it doesn't need to have anything else done to it. It's wrenches indicating the first service needed to be done at the 600 mile break in. That's been done. That's been taken care of. Just ignore it. <laughs> Put a piece of tape over it. Right. The problem is the guy that wants, I'm sorry. This is a $16,000 motorcycle. The guy who's going to come in and want to even negotiate with me about a $16,000 motorcycle is praying that it has an orange wrench illuminated on the dashboard. Because that's got to be worth a whole lot of money in negotiations. 500 bucks. Thank you. Exactly. So, oh no, if it was a Ducati, it would be $1,200. At least, at minimum, right? So, his question is what motorcycle? And we get back to his question. Correct. Can you do it? Yeah, you can do it. There's all kinds of OBD tools available. Is it going to, you know, is it going to brick your bike? That's what you got to be careful of. Yeah. Because I have, um, we used to do a little bit of tuning. And the reason I gave up on tuning was when we said, yes, we do tuning here. What that really was a sign that said was, we'll fix up, fix your fucked up tune. So you went online to your fucking, you know, GPZ or CBR owners forum. 
and you bought a thing or a code or a program and you put it in your bike and now your bike doesn't run or it runs very poorly. And people say, oh, you do, you know, you do tuning. That's great because I just got a couple issues. I just need to have a couple of things just dialed in. And then I, they bring a bike in and I'm looking at a whole litany of bypasses. They've already reflashed their ECU or yep. something. They've bought an aftermarket ECU. They've reflashed their ECU. They've cut things out of their wiring harness and they've patched other things around them. Because this connector didn't work with that, Gener generic ECU. This connector didn't work with that. Here's our go-around kit. Well, when I take the seat up of the bike and there's fucking nine splices under there, and I got a problem with a bike that's throwing a code or isn't acting right, well, that's when I stop saying, yeah, we do tuning here. The, the first thing I do when I run into a problem with a bike that won't start, won't run well, is I open up the seat, and if I see power command yeah, anywhere, absolutely. I charge you an hour to take that crap off. <laughs> but but I'm Tom. That's that's a great egoistic standpoint yeah. of I'm superior to you in every fucking god knows way. <laughs> but what I'm going to tell you is every single podcast oh, listener yeah. that I've listened to and all those other podcasts that I don't listen to, they will all tell you over and over again. One of the best things you can do is buy a power commander for your bike uh -huh. because the factory ECU settings are not giving you the maximum power that your bike can deliver. And the first thing I do is throw it in the trash. Okay. But Tom, I've got power commander. Yeah, I'm going to interject. And yeah. I, I mean, uh, we did power commanders yeah. and oh, maybe that was because uh, they were older I, models and they played better with that. Or Tom, maybe they it's were, because yeah. you're no fucking good at power commanders because every power commander I've ever installed which is in the neighborhood of a hundred. Yeah, worked they, great and did what it was supposed to do. They were fantastic. And every time I find one, find a bike that doesn't run or doesn't run right, you're doubling down on this. Commander. You're doubling down. I wouldn't double down on it. But you're I, you're blaming the machine for idiots. Oh no no no! I it could be a situation <laughs> where where newer bikes now now it's getting to the point it's, where the level of gameplay a, a power commander can't trick it because so it, it'll detect it or it's going to yeah. ca cause other problems. But that's got to be fairly recent because, I mean, I oh, yeah, no, I was very happy with what Power Commander could do with most fuel-injected bikes. The stuff that I've run into, every time the problem is always when they tie in the Power Commander. But here's the thing. So now you don't have to fuck with it. And a lot of people have abandoned that because you do know how – you do know – you. A typical you power – I'm sorry. To tune. But wait, no. So like for me, so my Z900, it, it, had, it had a whole bunch of known yeah. flaws. The, the, the fan was too low. It had a speed governor, all this different mm -hmm. shit. It was really rough on low idle, like you know, like when you gave it, it was it was jerky as shit. Wow, real snatchy throttle. So, but you go to the professionals, so the two wheel tuners, two two wheel dyno tuners, right. TW two whatever it is. Yep. Um, you tell them what modifications you've done to your bike. Is it stock? Is it this? It down to what pipe? What exhaust? Yep. What anything? So I told them I kept the stock can. I got a Delvic header. Um, I blocked the Paris pipe to their recommendation, but no. it's completely. I just shoved a marble with a, uh, a zip tie so it can't go up into it. Can't yeah. go up into it. Instead of spending the $400 on the plates that do the exact same thing as a free marble and a zip tie. Right. And, anyways, <laughs> so you send it off to them and you tell them that. They send it back, but they do, they get a test bike. They dyno that test bike with all the available headers and exhausts and stuff. They have a relationship with all these people. So then they actually build a profile. Do you want a race bike? Do you want a touring bike? Do you want a thing? You tell them all this. Yeah. If your bike has available modes, they'll reprogram those modes to reflect what you've told them. And now you have a bike that it's backed by guys that actually put the research and the technology into it, not just some fucking dude with his buddy drinking yeah, but beers. There you go. More power asses. power Commander does the same thing. When you buy a Power Commander, you get a sheet for your bike 
that will actually yeah, John, list, you, list you, out. You, no, I'm saying again, you're the kind of guy that should buy a Power Commander. To Tom's point, there's a lot of guys that go, I bought you, an R6, I yeah. heard you have to get a Power Commander. Yeah. You, but the Power Commander will send you a sheet, and it says... But John, it says well, you just, can add more fuel. That means good, no, right? No, you're not listening. You add more you're right not there. listening. Just let me finish. <laughs> it, there's five lights on the Power Commander. They could be red, blue, or green. It's a whole sheet that says if you put this exhaust right. on... It, you can literally do what you're saying, and all you have to do is just say, well, I look, well, this is what my bike has. I just have to program these five lights to be what it says. Well, right you just proved my point because, again, I said it's not the machine. It's the dummies that buy them. You're not a uh, dummy that might have had one. I guess if you can't a reset a, 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 a clock or your watch or play with a phone, right. then no, you can't handle a power so commander. My statement on this is, unlike Tom, who says, first thing I'm going to do is take the power commander off. The power commander, the hookup of a power commander is you unplug the fuel injector, right. you plug it in in line, and then one wire has to go to power. That's mm -hmm. it. It's not really doing that much. So here's Absolutely. my experience is very rarely have I ever been and found an object like we're, we keep using the term power commander. But anyway, yeah. because power commander USB, it's, it's I installed tons it's like of Z them. Xeroxing is Xerox. But here's the trick. If you have the right tool if you have the right part for the application if you have the right exhaust that it's meant to be used with if the wiring is kept the way it should be usually it's not the problem usually that's not the problem the problem is when the guy tries to install the wrong item the wrong pipe the wrong this or this whole thing about like just the tip when people are just like okay well i I would tell you that if you want me to tune this bike, we're looking at $2,300. I'm going to do this, 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 this. These components all go together. Power Commander knows that. Power Commander has done a lot of testing with a lot of people. Um, I worked with companies called Redline and people that have done all the fast by Ferracci tuning. That's where we were doing a lot of our stuff. We were doing a lot of our mapping where we weren't even buying Power Commanders. We were taking factory stock ECUs and sending them out and having them be reflashed that they're actually saying, okay, you know, Pete, what exact bike do you have? How do you ride it? What fuel do you run in? Are you two up? Are you mountaineering? Do you want whole shot? Do you want this? Do you want that? These are what I want. You tell them, they map it, they send you your factory ECU back. Yeah, and then you put a giant piece of tape on your ECU that says, do not flash, do not reprogram under any circumstances. And then you go over and find the OBD cable or the plug on that and you tape the shit out of that thing too so that some guy like Tom doesn't go in and say, well, first things first, let's flash the ECU. Yep. Because yeah. so many problems are fixed by flashing the ECU. Like you said, your motorcycle came from the factory with a lot of things that weren't right. right. And in the second and third year of that, they, they fixed it. Some of it, but some of it's still like speed restrictions. Yeah, well, that's just like that. nanny state shit. Right. 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 Yeah, that's well, nanny they state They get stuff. rid of that. They also lower yeah. the fan speeds. But no, but, it's, it's the original ECU. They right. reflashed it, and the same thing. It comes with a sticker that says yeah. this ECU has been flashed. Yes. Do not modify it without talking to the owner. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and blue yeah. fucking painter's tape around that shit, oh, yeah. too. So it's bloody obvious. But what I would say is what he's talking about for OBD available tools online, taking care of a modern Japanese bike, this is... 
very easy to do. But let me add as something. long as you stay within your fucking lane. Let me add something. This is really, really, really important. Like yeah. we usually don't talk about stuff that's very, very important. This is yeah. So everything that we just talked about for the last twenty to twenty-five mm-hmm. minutes is going to be completely fucking irrelevant if everybody that does listens to this podcast also doesn't tell everybody else that they know to go online and look up this right to repair stuff. Mm. Right. Summit Racing, we're, we're, we're putting like millions of dollars into this campaign because we might not exist if this goes through. Correct. They're, they want to get rid of all, like you're not going to be able to get parts, you're not going to be able to get aftermarket parts, you're not going to be allowed to work on your stuff, you're not going to be able to do shit. And it's serious. Like they have numbers now, they have dates like 2020, 30, or 2035 and things like that. So the, to the point that they don't even want to allow track-only cars or motorcycles anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't even say, like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm not driving this on the street. I'm going racing. They don't want you to do that. So it's getting that bad. So I don't know the website. I wish I would have thought about it, but I didn't know we were going to be talking about this. But if you go and you search on Google, um, you know, the, uh, I think they have a, a, a form letter. But when you fill it out through this thing, it sends it in, and it's sent in by a stack of lawyers, so it's not just like random bullshit coming in and stuff. But if you look it up, you can find out. It's a pretty big topic right now. See, on the right, right to repair is going to be a big thing because it's going to hit us really hard. Yes, it is. Because anything that doesn't have a Piaggio badge on it suddenly overnight, we're going to look at it and go, "Sorry." Yeah, yeah, and we can't we can't get anything for it. We can't get anything for it. And as a shop, I can assure you when when I'm telling you when somebody contacts the other day and they're like, "I need you to work on my Moto Guzzi." And I tell you, look, man, I do not have the keys to that castle anymore. Nope. That is that that is you need to take your particular problem because in your short description of what your particular problem is, you've got to get current firmware in the bike. Yep. And you've you've got to get fresh firmware because I know they've changed it a lot since the V eighty five TT came out. There were problems in the firmware that they addressed, and there's a lot of them and a lot of Things that yep. were sorted out. Yep. I can't fix that. I cannot, because it is a subscription-based service, they are not going to release that information to these clearinghouses or these places that do, um, I'll sell you an OBD scanner tuning device for, that will work on 773 different motorcycles. Well, those kinds of things are not going to those places. What you're probably going to do from those places will be like, you know, Uncle Zippy's tune that has been appeared on 75 different websites of, you know, the tune that everybody seems to like for their bikes because there are non-recommended or there are non-sanctioned tunes and then there are manufacturer's tunes, manufacturer's maps. And we have seen the nightmare problems of just one version. One version. And there are things that are buried in here. And I mean, simple little BIOS things where you're like, this thing didn't work. It's not working right. Or we sent it out and it failed and it came back. And we sent it out and failed and came back again. And somebody says, well, are you aware that on that particular bike in that particular year during the prep, you had to hook it up to the thing in the diagnostic and go into the BIOS and change that one little setting? When, when I was an independent, we had no computer. No, no Piaggio right. computer, no pads, no nothing. So it literally was in oil change, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, every bike that rolls in front of me after mm-hmm. that GTV, every right. bike that rolls in front of it has me, to hit it pods. goes on pads. It has to hit the diagnostic. Because if it does not, right. and it comes back and, you know, every, uh, today the, the Piaggio won. Right. ECU firmware update. All right. Hey, we're four minutes from getting fined by the FCC. Excellent. Uh, okay. Now, things I do... I do absolutely want to say, uh, 
we have got a, a a surge of Patreon members. Hey. Okay. That is fantastic. They're here for the jokes. That's I, it. And this is the thing. This is what I... So Jeffrey Mace just signed up $5 a month level to, to hear our podcast. Again, though, Jeffrey, you're not getting the jokes. Right. For the extra five bucks a month, you could be getting the punchlines to all these jokes. It's right. so much funnier. It's much funnier podcast. I strongly recommend getting the jokes. Uh, a guy walks in the grocery level. store, the, the female cashier, or he buys a, a banana. Wait. He buys. He... <laughs> that was good. <laughs> We're going to let you restart that one, John. <laughs> we'll save that for next podcast. Well, you can do it. Wait, wait. I'll give him one free punchline. You ready? I know. I think that's a good one. I, I think that's a perfectly good one. He okay. only took tips. Well, anyway, the guy buys a banana, two eggs, and uh, an apple. And the female cashier says, oh, you must be single. And he says, wow, how did you know that? And she says, you're ugly. Hey! That's your freebie. <laughs> and on that, folks, remember to ride fast, oh. take chances, play us out of here, John. Bum, 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 bum,